Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation, welcome to another edition of the Raging Review Podcast uh, version, Troy Postgame. I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick, and uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Cajuns drop a heartbreaker against the Troy Trojans by the final score of 31-24. to Louisiana's record now drops to 5-6 and six overall, 2-5 and five in conference play. That puts them in a position next week to play for bowl eligibility against the ULM Warhawks. And um, Nick, we, you know, I'll be honest with you. This one hurts. I I applaud the effort, but this one definitely hurts because I felt like we had this game at our fingertips. And look, one, I don't like to blame officiating, but one bad call was to me was the difference in in the way this game finished. Well, when things aren't going your way, Jerry, you, can't afford to make mistakes, right? So the the pick that that Chandler threw was something that came back to bite us, right? Uh, because we were driving the ball. But when when you're not playing up to your ability, you not necessarily have to have everything go your way, but a lot of stuff has to go your way in a game like this. I mean, Troy was rolling, we were struggling, and we were in the game till the very end. And then you have this awful call like i in that first of all in in a normal situation you shouldn't be throwing a flag on that because if anything it looked like the wide receiver was the one who initiated contact besides that your tie ball game third down crucial game changing decision that you're making and you throw a flag on that that is fireable that is something that you shouldn't be calling games in any fbs game if you're going to be making crucial calls and mistakes like that, you deserve to be fired. I also believe, by the way, Jerry, that is the same official. I don't know if he was a line judge or what he was. I, I don't know what they're called, but I believe it's the same official because it's on that side of the field on the sideline that he won. Actually, he missed two calls earlier in the game. He threw the flag on that terrible kick-catch interference with, by the way, I don't think he... It looked like the player got close to him, but if anything, the Troy receiver or returner actually stepped in toward the player to catch the ball. I don't think any contact was made. In fact, he was on the wrong side of that play to throw that flag. Secondly, he didn't throw a flag when Harvey Broussard, the guy, the, the defender grabbed his jersey, and I'm talking pulled him back. 
He didn't throw that flag. He had the best position and view of the entire field. He didn't throw that flag. A guy upfield had to throw it five seconds later because he missed that call. So he's missed three calls during this game. And the last two of them, I mean, if he didn't make that, if, if that pass interference on Harvey wasn't called earlier in the ball game, that's a game changing call. And then this one with the game on the line, I don't usually go and blame officials for losses, but let me tell you, that didn't help. That certainly didn't help. You had the momentum. You were going to get the ball back. You had time on the clock to where you, I mean, we were, we were, we were, you know, we weren't trying to go for the big play every down. We were, we were having these short passes. Our receivers were catching the ball. We were starting to open up holes for our runners. So there was a damn good chance that with the momentum on our side and after a huge stop, you're going to drive down and score and there won't be a whole lot of time left on the clock. And then this goofy bastard decides he's going to throw a flag that shouldn't have been thrown. Unbelievable, Jerry. Again, I don't blame officials and I'm not going to say the officiating cost us this game, but let me tell you, didn't help. It didn't help. In fact, it hurt us tremendously. And I got to give it to the NFL Network, guys. I thought their their presentation was great. I thought the guys that they had on the call knew about the conference. They knew about us. They cared. They didn't talk down to us. They didn't start talking about Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan during the game. It was a little bit refreshing to have a good have a good team there. And even the guy, the color guy was like, what is this guy? This is ridiculous. There's absolutely no way this, this flag should have been thrown. So yes, I'm pissed off. Yes, I do think it was game changing. And yes, it potentially cost us the game tonight. You know, I, I was more frustrated because I hate it when games, especially when you play up against a, an opponent that's favored against you, where you have to almost outplay the officiating as well. And I felt like we almost had to do that tonight. Now, I, I definitely applaud the effort. I do think there were certain cases in the game that I thought we could have done a better job with. But, I mean, if, if that pass interference isn't called on Patrick Mensa in the fourth quarter, when it's 24-24, we have all of the momentum. And we just we we had just basically marched down the field on that high power Troy defense and scored basically without any issues. So if to me, I felt like if that if that flag isn't thrown and we get the ball back, I I have a really good hunch we move down the field and we get another touchdown, possibly clinching this thing. Unfortunately, it's hard to depend on that, especially with officiating like that. But what that that's the thing that hurts the most because I know. I'll say this about the game today, about our team. The effort was definitely there. It was there. We th This team played their tails off. They played hard. Uh, obviously, I'm not all about the sunshine pumping. Well, oh, they played hard, so that's okay. No, it's not okay because we lost the game. But it's frustrating when you have to put that type of game into the hands of just poor officiating. And I mean, it, and this is, and, and another issue is not only was it a crucial call, but now it's become a pattern because we've seen this two weeks in a row. Where if if you have competent officiating, where it's it's fundamental basic stuff on the on the side of officials, these two losses might have been two wins. I know again we can't depend on officiating to bail us out, and I know we can't we can't depend on officiating to get to get us W's, but we shouldn't have to beat our opponent as well as officiating to get the W's either. And I thought that's kind of what we had to do tonight. But Jerry, I'm tired of having the same conversation week after week after week, win or loss, that the officiating is terrible. It feels like nobody is being held accountable, at least with baseball. 
if you remember, there were a few years ago, we were, I think it was when we were ranked number one, and the officials made an absolutely atrocious call and tossed Robe for no reason because they, they absolutely blew the call and then claimed that Robe touched him or went bumped into him, which didn't happen. Thank goodness there were cameras there. But, they, but the, the leak came right out and said they made the wrong call. That crew is suspended until further notice. We're going to handle it. That gives you a little bit of confidence that somebody is looking at the officiating and saying, okay, we got to fix this. It's been crickets from the Sunbelt Conference for years, and it doesn't get better. It gets worse, especially in basketball. But football, look, if we're going to if, if we're going to claim that we're going to be a big-time conference and in the Sunbelt Conference and we're playing big-time football, you got to do better with the officiating. Because that's absolutely atrocious. And again, I'm not saying that 100% of the sauce is on the officials, but they had a big part. That that one call had a big part in the outcome of tonight's game. And again, I'm just sick and tired of having this conversation week after week after week and nothing's being done about it. We're just sitting back well, and just business as usual. The flag was a defibrillator for that team. I mean, you gave them new life. Look at what they did offensively after they after we gave them that 15 day, they got the 15 yard penalty instead of them punting the ball to us. You just, you breathe new life in them on a, on a terrible call to the point where even one of their, even one of the play by play guys on the NFL network, which by the way, they did a fantastic job today. Very impressed by their uh, analysis. But even one of the guys was saying, he said, I don't even like on the replay. I didn't see the Troy bench throw their hands up. I didn't see the Troy bench yell for a flag. Usually when that happens on your sideline, the first thing you're going to see, even when you know it's not a, a call shouldn't be made, you're still going to see the gestures. You're still going to see their hands thrown up on where's the flag and all that stuff. You didn't see any of that on the Troy sideline when that happened, which means they they probably saw that that wasn't a pass interference. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys were surprised on that sideline well, when, the, when the ref threw that flag. The wide receiver wasn't wasn't complaining about it. I think he he looked like he was frustrated at the fact that he missed the 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 ball, but he wasn't even looking around, you know, with his hands up calling for a flag because there wasn't pass interference. Jerry, it's it, there was no penalty. By the way, on. The big now I know Harvey should have probably come down with that ball late late in the game where where Chandler went deep about till about the 30 yard line and he had it in his hands. It was defended very well, but Har but uh he he dropped the ball. If if you go back and watch it, that defender grabbed his face mask as as he was defending that. Guess who was supposed to make that call? Guess who was in the position to make the call? The same guy who was in position to make that call didn't make that call. So, so that, so that's that's four four calls he blew this game. Where's the accountability? Accountability, big Jerry. Fat, big fat F in his in his analysis when they when they uh, do the um, when they grade you. He needs to get a big fat F. But what does it matter? Him. He's going to be Horrible. back next week in the next season and and the season after that. What does it well, matter? Well, you know what? The Sun Belt has made a huge investment in bringing these four programs in. They're starting to get more notoriety. As the saying goes, you get what they pay for. Time to invest in some good officiating. We've talked about this with baseball for years. We've talked about this with basketball. It's time for the Sun Belt to fork out some money and start paying for some good officiating because we haven't seen consistent officiating pro probably ever in our conference. I mean, we have a reputation for Sun Belt officials. So anyway, uh, moving on real quickly. So to all of you listeners on the Twitter space, uh, if you do want to uh, call in, we are working on some, we're, we're looking to fix some technical difficulties right now. Um, Nick, you want to give more information on that before we proceed? No, uh, <laughs> I'm having trouble <laughs> getting it to work. Uh, Josh, Josh is, yeah. is he's there. He's oh, hi, Josh. tonight. Welcome to way. our post game. I'm going to mostly be in a producer role tonight. Uh, 
so good. please proceed no you know what while you're here tell us tell us what you saw I, I don't know if you guys want to hear what I saw. I, look, I understand that that's a horrible call right there, but we, we lost the game because of 10 other things. Um, I do agree with Jerry that the momentum shifted towards us. I think that uh, I think one of the announcers, which I agree with you, they did a really good job today. Uh, they made the comment that Troy averages two, three and outs per game, and that would have been their fifth before the call. So obviously they were sputtering on offense. And they gave us some opportunities to uh, to get the ball back right there and go down to score. But you never know what could have happened right there. I mean, I'm more concerned about the ball on third and six down in the red zone when they throw a one-on-one to their wide receiver and uh, Martin misses a, a, a pretty easy. The fact is he took a good angle to make the tackle right there, and he holds him to three if he makes the tackle. Instead, he arm tackles and whiffs, and they walk into the end zone. I'm way more concerned about those kinds of things. I'm way more concerned about the fact that we made zero adjustments on defense when it came down to it looked like they were going to give the ball to Vidal on every play for a while in the third quarter. And after that, after after the offense figured out that we were just going to stack the box, they just kept doing the play action on the outside in the flats. And we couldn't stop it. They were wide open five, six, seven yards with nobody around them. Uh, I'm more concerned about the lack of adjustment on that. Uh, just goofy stuff like Tyler Gidry. I know the game's pretty much over at that point, but you can't you can't jump off sides and encroach uh, uh, the offense right there. I mean, that's the end of the game. It's little things like that. Harvey Harvey Broussard drops a ball that puts us in striking distance on a lo- third and long. Chandler Fields played a good game. He puts the ball on the money, and you don't help out your quarterback. I mean, it's things like that that we lost the game. I'm not saying that the the refs didn't play as any role. Of course they do, but uh, my contention is is that they typically play a role. We have the worst for a good G5 league, the best in my opinion. We continue to put out the worst officiating crews in pretty much every sport. Baseball's bad. Basketball's horrendous. Football's bad. You know, we were supposed to do this weird thing with the SEC where we train these re- these umpires and these refs and all this stuff, and then they go up and uh, they they moonlight for the SEC games. If that's still happening, I haven't watched an SEC game in a long time, but, bruh, it's bad. I mean, it's bad. I mean, it, it, it works both ways. If you're terrible in the SEC, guess where they're going to send you? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't see that bad of calls in the SEC. So, you know, what do we still have that alliance going on? Uh, you know, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. But I bake it into my football watching experience. It's just kind of one of those things. I, I expect it. So it's not as shocking anymore. But isn't that I, I just, sad, though? But isn't that sad, Josh, when you expect it at this point? It is. Because there's nothing we can do to fix it, especially now with the way the Sun Belt has invested into their conference. Part of the investment should be the, game, should be the game day experience, which includes play on the field and competence of play on the field, which includes officiating that you hire. You hire these referees. You hire them. I was just going to say, going back to your, your comments about the, the missed tackles and, and arm tackling, do you... Do you guys agree with me that that's gotten worse as the years progress? Well, what else like, is new? I was going to say, what else is new, Nick? I mean, we this has been going on all season long. But, Look, the but first I feel, quarter, you say all season. I feel like it was better in the first few games of the season. I agree. It was. It was. It was. And, and, what, and what, what bothers me is last week, if you guys noticed in the postgame, Coach Dez came on the, came on the radio or in the postgame uh, press conference and said, we need to get back to the basics after losing to Southern Miss. 
part of what he meant was exactly what you're talking about. The fundamentals, the, the missed tackles, the jumping off sides, the, 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 the offensive line flinching. That's kind of been our Achilles heel. It's the little things, the little things that matter. That encroachment on, on Tyler Guidry, third and five, you give them a first down, now they kneel it. What if, what if, what, let's, okay, hypothetically, what if he doesn't jump off sides? Let's say they don't get the first down, they miss the field goal, we get the ball back and we have a chance to score, right? It's those little, little minute things that go a long way. It's same thing happened against Southern Miss, the same thing happened against Arkansas State. What, what concerns me about those fundamental mistakes is if we're making these mistakes in game 11, you're never going to fix them. And what's going to happen going into the offseason? What kind of drills are we going to run to make sure our offensive linemen don't flinch? We don't jump off sides. We don't you know, drop easy passes. We don't play cushion. I mean, in the first quarter, defensively, and I heard Jay and, and Gerald talk about it on the radio, was the fact that our, our corners were playing up to their, their receivers. I mean, we were pressing in the coverage, and Gunnar Watson was having trouble finding open receivers, and, and we were having a lot of pass breakups. Well, in the second half, we don't do any of that. We, we we give them five or six yard cushions and you're doing it, doing it. I said last week against three receivers who were all very talented receivers. I mean, that receiving core they have, they're, they're really good. And yet we gave them so much cushion and you just allowed them to move the ball down the field on you. And that's, I can't say it's concerning anymore because we have one game left in the regular season, but that was disappointing to see, uh, especially all throughout the year. I, I noticed that was a consistent trend where we were giving all this cushion to these receivers. And I just, I think we're too, to me, we're too athletic to allow that to happen. Well, I think what's more concerning to me than what happened today is the fact that we have to play again this season, second season in a row, our final game of the regular season for uh, a chance to go to a bowl. I agree. That to me is concerning. And you got to do it against ULM, who anything can happen. Look, let's, it's the second year in a row. You're five and six. Uh, in the last two years, your overall record is 12 and 13, six and nine in conference. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's definitely not a trend we want to see after two years being removed from winning the Sunbelt conference championship being ranked in the top 25. Um, and, and again, a lot of our losses this year, it wasn't because the other team just straight up beat us. <laughs> we make all of these fundamental mistakes. That's what's concerning to me, because again, how do you fix that? I mean, honestly, I, I know the answer to it. I think part of it is you have to make some adjustment changes. I mean, adjustments with your staff. You're going to have to make some staff changes. If you can't, if, if your certain position coaches can't coach the fundamentals, might be time to find some coaches who can. And I like well, our we, coaches. We're but, at the end of the year, so we can start speaking in conclusions rather than looking ahead. I mean, there's nothing to look ahead to. Am I supposed to get excited about making a bowl game? I, I am not at all. I do not care. And I bet there's a bunch the of players. Minimum. There's, the a, minimum. there's a bunch of players on this team that, that feel the same way. They have to be. I mean, if you're if you're competitive and you've been in the system for four or five years, you know what it likes it what it feels like to really win. This is not I, I don't even want to talk about that. One thing I am mostly concerned about, all right, going back to the field, if you ask anybody, like a random fan, how did Billy really overhaul this team they'll probably tell you because he built a, a great offensive line or you know whatever the truth is is he built a tall rangy physical secondary we were physical in in all at the corners on the islands in the backfield we were physical this version of the cajun secondary is not physical they're not caleb anderson has been in and out of the lineup with injuries this year he's a former wide receiver he can 
he hand fights with the best of them. I, I think he's one of our best on on defense uh, in the secondary. But like guys like Tyree Skipper, Tyree Skipper, I don't know if he's injured, but he didn't play a whole lot today. So I, I don't know about that. Tyrone Lewis, when he got here, he looked like that physical thumper. As we've gotten into the season, you've seen a lot less of that from him. I don't know if he's all the way healthy. And, and again, we're late in the season, so it could be. But the, where's the physicality out of this group? Where's the physicality? And, and the linebacker position, like, Kendra Gant makes big plays, tackle for losses, things like that. Whitfield does the same thing. When's the last time you've seen somebody get lit up out of the linebacker core? You know what I mean? Like, that physicality that you that you banked on with Billy's teams. Um, Two years ago you know, with Billy's teams. And, and I say Billy, and I'm talking about defensive coordinators. You know, Ron Roberts and, and uh, uh, Patrick Tony. These guys, they, they, they preached physicality. I just don't see that anymore. That is very concerning because that has nothing to do with scheme or anything like that. That is, to your point, those are the basics. That is an attitude. And I've said it all year, and I've been trying my best not to dump on the guy, but Lamar loves the zone. He loves the zone. It's, it's, he likes that bend but don't break stuff. He's not going to try to just dominate you at the line of scrimmage. He's not going to try to push, push on you like Tony would. That's just not his style. That's not how the team is built. And you see it over time. We're giving up. I mean, I don't know what we're averaging now, but it's got to be close to 30 points a game. It, it's got to be. It, it, it's, we are incrementally worse in every, in every aspect defensively with regard to um, consistency, consistent performance. Again, you go back to South Alabama. We had to rely on individual major performances to get things done defensively. And they, they still scored 20-some-odd points. So I don't know, man. I, I I got a lot of things. I feel like I feel like that's telling me you don't have confidence in your guys to make plays. When you drop in a zone with the talent you have on the field, you don't have the confidence that you can go man to man on on the outside, right? On the corners. Um, I, I'll tell you what I think. I will I will die on this sword. I think the difference between our teams now and Billy's teams then come down to two things. One, like you said, it's attitude. It's attitude, it's motivation, it's leadership, it's wanting to be out there, it's wanting to fight every down. Number two, Jabbar Jaluk. I don't think people realize how much of a difference that man made in recruiting and recruiting some hosses. He has had success everywhere he's been in doing exactly what he does. He is the coach that I knew would go with Billy, but he's the one that I said when he left that we would take a step back. Jabbar Jaluk is a man I wish we could get him back tomorrow. He recruits the hell out of Louisiana. And and I just feel like no disrespect to the guys who are on the roster, but you got to think this guy was was recruiting an all NFL offensive line. I mean, that dude was doing work on the road. He's doing it at, at Florida. You look at their rankings, they're they're out of this world now. Outside of their rankings and recruiting, you know, we can question some of the coaching decisions that are made, but that's outside of his purview. I think that losing Jabbar Jaluk was the biggest hit to this coaching staff and this program out, outside of Billy Napier leaving and taking our entire coaching staff. That's just my opinion. Well, well Jabbar Jaluk's not coming back, so we better find a way to figure it out because next year, again, it doesn't get much easier. And so right now, we're, this is the again, second year in a row, you're five and six playing for bowl eligibility the last week of, of, of your regular season. And that... That's unacceptable. I'm sorry. That's unacceptable. I'm just going to tell you, there are guys out there on the street right now that can come over here. Now you're going to have to pay them. 
But there are people, there are a couple I have in mind, I'm not going to mention names, that will come over here tomorrow, excite the fan base, get them riled up. Our recruiting would go through the roof. The question is, are we going to pay the money and show the commitment to get those types of people into our program to be associated with us to make the difference? I don't have confidence right now. We can do it. Trust me. We can turn this crap around in one season if you get the right people in the right spots in this program, but you're going to have to pay them. They're not coming over for free, but I don't have confidence we're going to do that. Got a couple people waiting to speak. I'm just going to say something quickly. So they can't say we're being too negative. I got some game balls to give out, some shout-outs. Thomas Leo, best punting day of his life today. Great so game. We, we've been hard on him, so at, at least we got to give him some kudos. I'll be the first to say, and Josh, I'm glad you tagged me in that, that, that tweet you had earlier today. Thomas Leo gets, definitely gets a game ball today. He punted yeah. the hell out of that ball, so thank you. And, and look, it put us in position to win. So shout-out to him, and thanks for proving our point on that. Uh, Chandler Fields, what can you say? Uh, minimal mistakes. I thought sometimes he kind of limited himself. And I will say that he is, his eyes drop way too quickly. And I know he doesn't have a ton of snaps, but we got to have some better pocket awareness. But, but regardless, he played a good game. If you look at the numbers, he gave us a chance to win. He played winning football for the second week in a row. Shout out to Chandler. I'm going to give some stats after that before we take calls just to kind of give a little bit of a... Um, yeah, for sure. More. And then my, my third would be uh, the freshman center. Freshman center was awesome. It, they didn't say his name one time. On the broadcast, they brought up the fact that he played well. But Troy, listen, Troy's got some NFL guys on the defensive line, and they blew up the A and B gap lots of times, especially on those inside hands. But in pass pro, there, you know, you didn't have any issues with the snap. You got a freshman center and a, a third string quarterback. Not a ton of time together. You got to give him some credit. And there's there's other credit to be given out, but those three stood out to me. I wanted to say that, Jerry, if you want to give your your stats, and then I'll go to the calls. Okay, I'll be more. I'll be very quick on that. Very brief, more on the Cajun side. So total stats today: uh, passing yardage. Louisiana had 282 passing yards to Troy's 219 rushing yards. This is where the Cajuns struggled tremendously in the first half. They looked like they picked it up a little bit in the second half, just not enough. Uh, Cajuns had 66 yards rushing for tonight. Troy had 148, so that equals total yardage. Troy had a 19-yard advantage in total yardage. Troy with 367 total yards of offense, and Louisiana with 348 total yards of offense. Chandler Fields, as you talked about, Josh, 29 of 39, 282 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Pretty good day at the office for Chandler. Well done uh, based on the the situation scenarios. Also, too, um, rushing, again, 66 yards on the ground. Uh, all three running backs, uh, Zylan Perry, Jacob Cabote, and Draylon Washington combined for a total of 68 yards rushing. Uh, Zylan Perry had eight carries for 44 yards. Jacob Cabote, seven carries for 23 yards. Draylon Washington, only one carry for one yard. Also, too, uh, Louisiana, unfortunately, as well as the offensive line, could play against that front seven of Troy. Cajuns took five sacks today. Five sacks today to Troy's zero sacks. Uh, receiving yardage, Harvey Broussard, three receptions, 54 yards. Neil Johnson, three receptions, 44 yards, and one touchdown, uh, as well as Jacob Bernard, four receptions for 43 yards, no touchdowns. Robert Williams, five receptions for 38 yards and one touchdown. Peter, Blanc, Peter LeBlanc also had two receptions for 28 yards. And this is one of those days, uh, Josh, that uh, you can celebrate a little bit in spite of the situation because 
Guess what we did today, Josh, in the passing game? What did we, we do? We threw the ball to the freaking tight end. There you go. Threw the ball to the tight end. It's a simple uh, game. One other thing I wanted to mention on Troy's side, uh, you know, Kamani Vidal, I mean, he's 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 everything he's hyped to be. Uh, Kamani Vidal had 27 carries, 112 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Gunnar Watson, uh, this is the last time we will play against him as he is a senior. Gunnar Watson was 17 for 31, 199 yards, passing three touchdowns, no interception. Uh, just a few stats that stuck out to me on defense. Uh, Richard Gibbonor, he's going to play on Sundays. I mean, the guy is the real deal. Uh, seven total tackles, six solo, uh, one sack, three tackles for loss. Uh, Reddy Stewart, six total tackles, six solo tackles, and uh, one I don't know what this stands for, but anyway, and uh, Javon Solomon, six solo, six solo tackles or six total tackles. Four of those were solo tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss. So we definitely had our work cut out for us uh, against this Troy defense, very talented team, but that's why they're nine and two. And that's why they're going to play in the, uh, the Sunbelt conference championship. And uh, unfortunately we're playing for bowl eligibility next week. So anyway, Josh, I know we're waiting to take some calls. So uh, to all you listeners, if you want to chime in, please um, requ request to speak on the Twitter space. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this game tonight. No sacks of Gunnar Watson is a huge number. That's as much as he's not mobile. That's a, that's a surprising stat. Ryan Landry, the floor is yours, sir. Thanks for requesting. <sighs> man, it's so, so frustrating to be a Cajun fan. Yeah, water's wet, Ryan. Yeah, 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 water's wet. <laughs> Try living through the Baldwin era, bro. Like, you want to talk about oh, tough yeah. being a Cajun? <laughs> the last of the Stokely years and the Baldwin years. Oh, it was, yeah, terrible. So, you want to go back to, you know, the, the 2000s, and it, it goes back to, like, the longest-standing member of the Sunbelt Conference, and, and we are one of them. It's us, Arkansas State, ULM, and somehow these refs continuously screw us over whenever it matters the most. I don't know what we have to do to get a call, but at the same time, it's we shouldn't have been in that position. We make stupid mistake after stupid mistake after stupid mistake. And yeah, it you could you could say whatever you want. It might be the coaching, might be the discipline, but at the end of the game, third and five, got to do jump off sides. Tyler Gidder, jump off sides. So what? Like, what does that come down to? Ryan, I was going to say. So I I think look, even after that terrible call, you still had an opportunity to stop them. I mean that that it's not like. Yeah. That call made a difference where they were at the five yard line. You know, they still had to cross midfield and get into the end zone. So I think it was it was momentum changing and the guys let their guard down and allowed them to walk down the field. I think that and, and look, like you said, if you and I can see that this is happening every single game year in and year out, then you've got to account for that. You've got to go in knowing you got to score an extra seven points every game to account for the fact that you might get screwed because it seems like we do every single freaking game. So I right. just don't. Okay. So, so my, my, my thing is, is that, and I, I, I talked to Josh earlier about it. We lost to them last year by seven. Once again, this year by seven, they scored 17 points last year in the fourth quarter to beat us. 
They scored 17 points this year in the seven, uh, in the second quarter to beat us. So, like, where are the adjustments? And if y'all listen to me, if y'all ever talk to me, and you ever listen to anything that I ever said, it was always about adjustments, right? Ryan, I we didn't, heard, like, I we heard didn't, on, I heard on the coaches show we don't make adjustments; we just play better. Well, no, yeah, we talked about that. We don't, yeah, we just we just executed the game plan better. And there was a couple things like th- this game is a little bit out of the the norm because there was a couple things that we could have did better, but we didn't, and, and we still could have won the game. But I think we need to like really coin the phrase third and Lamar Morgan because every time we had him in third and long, third and seven and plus, they would get a first down. Like, like what? <laughs> Like what? What are we supposed to do, man? Like, what? What do we do going forward? We have one game left. We're, are we going to lose to stinking ULM? Worst because ca- we have worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. I'm telling you right now, you cannot lose to that, Jerry. Team what as if we do? They are for the second year in a row. And what no. if we do? What's going to happen, Jerry? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. If we lose to them next week, it will be the same thing as if we beat them next week. Nothing will happen. I'm telling you now. Well, you're going to have a fan base that's going to be checked out. You're not going to have a fan base anymore. That's what's going to happen. No, because, no, we're idiots. We're going to come back. We're already checking out. They might keep the upper deck if we lose the ULM. They might just like, nah, nah, we're going to keep the upper deck. <laughs> They're going to be like, you know what? We're going to scrap the whole project. Just keep the upper deck. This is what we're good for. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, Ryan. You bring up some excellent points. I mean, I don't have the answer for you. I mean, but but like I said, and I'm going to stick by this, Jerry. If we if we win next week, the only thing that we have, the, the only thing that will change is if we win, we're going to a bowl game. If we lose, we're not. I don't have any confidence hey, in anything other hey, than that's hey, going to change. Josh, Josh, who, who cares, Josh? Who cares? How many how many games have we lost in a row? How many games have we lost in a row? We've lost three. This is, was this three? Three in a row? I mean, who, who gives four, a last shit if we go to a goddamn No, we've lost. Yeah, I don't, we've lost the last I don't want to go to a bowl game, bro. Who cares? I don't who, go. If, who cares if we go to a bowl game? I think that I don't uh, want to go either. I just don't want to lose to ULM. Over with and and never mind. Uh, you know what? Let's get let's get a sixth win for the seniors. Send them out. Everything's good. But everything. Goodbye to our stadium. Yeah. Say goodbye to the stadium. Everything else. I'm sorry. I I have nothing else to say about anything else. Ryan, you're always a good caller, man. Appreciate you listening. Can, can I say something now? Go oh, ahead, Joe. Oh, Joe wants to. Joe, hey, Joe wants to get on. Hold on. Hold on. Twofer. Joe wants to talk. So, hey. Hey. What's up, Joe? Um, piggybacking on, on what Ryan was saying earlier and stuff like we 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 knew going into all this, right? Like, I've seen it since the Rice game last year. Now, when we hired Dez, that we, it's going to be an uphill struggle, right? With everybody leaving and stuff, right? So, we knew we were coming in with a rookie quarter, a rookie head coach, and everything was going to be against us, right? And then everybody started leaving and all this, right? We have an inexperienced head coach that doesn't get respect. That's what I'm saying is, is we saw it in the right game and every game when it's closed, these refs do not respect us. They will call these. Sh-
cause and they don't care because they don't respect us. And, and that's what I'm trying to say is, is I don't know. I don't know. If we're going to move forward on, we, we're going to have to, I don't know. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? No, totally. I mean, I get it. Certain co- I mean, certain coaches get calls. We, uh, yeah, and I, we can we can whine and complain and, and all this stuff, but they're not gonna respect us until we respect us and we start doing stuff as as a program. <laughs> you know, that, that's all I have to say. You know what you do when people don't respect you? You make them respect you. Yeah, but then our play calling and, and everything we do is so like. Like we're scared to do stuff, and then we get run over, and then the refs don't respect us because we don't respect us. Is what I'm saying. We call plays and we run stupid plays, and over and over again. And ah, I'm just, I'm just done. That's all I have to say. All right, y- y'all have a good day. You have a good night. That's all I had wanted to say. All right, Joe. Thank you, guys. Appreciate mm-hmm. your comments, dude. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Ryan Sports Bar is popping tonight. <laughs> Hey, look, he, look, if we didn't learn anything from the toothpick years is we know how to smile through pain, right? So I'm glad, I'm glad this, the fan base is back and they, they, they remember their roots. You know, we can laugh about it's, – it's, it sucks. I mean, but it, I was, sucked. But, it sucks. But, but here's, here's the thing, though. I was having a conversation with somebody, and, you know, you've got some fans out there who are like – who keep talking about the old days, and yet – because of what happened during the the last of the Stokely and years and the Baldwin years that we should somehow be happy that we're at this point because it was so much worse 20 years ago. How are you ever going to grow as a program? If we, if we're sitting here at five and six and go, well, I remember what it was like going one and 10. So I guess it's okay to be five and six because five wins is better than one win. How are you going to grow as a program with that attitude? Jerry, you know what you do? You ignore those people. Yeah, that's, that's what you nonsense. do. That's what I do. I ignore those there's, people there's because it fans. makes no sense. And I, you know, look, we're we're a podcast for the fans. But if a fan asks me that question, I'm like, do you do you like complacency? Is that is are you? Are they you don't just- care, Jerry. They want to be friends with the coach. That's all they care about. They want to be friends with the coach or friends with the administration. They want to defend them at every turn. There's no negativity. You can't say anything because they want to be friends with people. But there you're not. Both, but 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 it, every every fan base, there are those subset of people. That no matter what happens, they're going to support the the coaches and the program because they want to be close and they want to be they want to be friends and they want to know people on a first name basis. It happens with but everybody. If that, if that is if that is Say your it, Jerry. motive, Say it. that is you're not motive, a fan. You're not a fan. You're not a fan. We know the coaches. It's true. We're friends. I, look, I know the coaches. I they some of the coaches. My brother's know me a damn coach, and I'm gonna tell your brother. Your brother's a coach. <laughs> yeah, but they got a job to do. It's not about, I don't care if I have a, a seat at the table with you. Look, I go, I'm a member of, of some of the, 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 the quarterback club and the, and the diamond club. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I give my money to those, to those clubs, but I also expect went to win. I expect uh, having standards. I have expectations. You know, I, I don't, you know, the whole thing about the seat at the table is not my top priority. Again, if that's your top priority where you want to sit with the coach and you don't care if the coach loses, you're not a fan. It's not, it's not, it's, this isn't rocket science. I'm not saying anything that's outlandish. It's the truth. Jerry, if that getting, is your mindset, you're getting you're too fired up. Ig- ignore those people, bro. Like, make yourself happy. Just ignore them, block them. <laughs> well, Live your own but, truth, but, the, Jerry. but it goes back, it goes back to Josh's point. And you made this point years ago, Josh. Sometimes I feel, and, and, and look, today's loss is like a microcosm of what I'm about to say. 
sometimes as a program, I feel like we just lack self-esteem. As a school, as a program, it, it just, we lack self-esteem. And, and, yes. and when you lack self-esteem and you're not as motivated to get things done and you argue with people that try to help you get things done, you know, people that have been there and have seen a certain level of success, that's lack of self-esteem. I, 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 am I off there? Like, like, please help me out here. I, am I? I'm hey, saying, hey, Jerry, can, Jerry can, I, can, I, can I jump in real fast? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, go is ahead. This, is this Terry? Is this Terry? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please, yeah. please. What you got, Terry? When you talk about lack of self, when you talk about lack of self-esteem, you, like, past three or four seasons, we've had three teams in the Sunbelt Conference host college game day. And I, I've heard a handful of Cajun fans say, oh, that could be us. But most of the ones, and look, I'm a very negative guy because I'm very pessimistic and I look at the hard facts. But if there's one thing that I've said since, you know, I played, I've been playing there, I said, hey, we could host college game day. Like, but now no one believes, not saying no, like very few people believe that we can even do what JMU or apps or the or the chickens or whatever during their fluky or whatever, believe that we can do this for some reason. No, like very few people even talk about it. Like, I don't, like I don't understand why people that we are in a conference with these these fan bases, with this the, the talent on equal levels, that we could also be at that same level. But very few people talk about it or even believe it. I'll it's answer disgusting. your question, Terry. If you want to hear the hard truth. If you want to hear the truth, the truth is it's not easy to be a Cajuns fan. So it's easy to be a fan of a program 60 miles down the road that gets everything handed to them and wins and, and pays, pays to win championships. So naturally, they're going to talk down to you because how dare you think that you can do anything that we, and they're going to say we. Now, they, they may have never gone on campus. They probably couldn't pick them out on a map, but... That is the that is the battle we're fighting, Terry, is the fact that you have people who live yeah. in our community that don't even care about the program. And not only do they not care, they're going to talk crap about us because it makes them feel big and bad because they support the team that makes it easy to cheer on. That That's, well, but, that's but, the answer. But 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 Nick, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to counter you just a little bit here. So please bear with me. Why did they go take that easy way out? Is it purely because they chose to, or is it because we ran some of them off? Jerry, I, I don't think I don't think we ran as many fans as they have off. I think you have a program that was that was uh, bottle fed from the 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 early days, and we can go back in history and all that, but got every single advantage continues to get every single advantage, has the entire state legislature on their side. And, and I mean, tell me, Jerry, why, why is my best friend's family fans of TSAB and they live in Shreveport? They freaking hate South Louisiana, but they're all big purple and gold fans and have never been to a game. It's because they put themselves out there years, hundred years ago as the team to cheer for in the state. And as a result, they've gotten every advantage. They've gotten all the funding. They've gotten every, everything handed to them on the silver platter. So it's easy to be their fan. It's not easy to be our fan. So what it's they not. do is you've got people who don't maybe have a lot to cheer for in their own life. So they go cheer for TSAB because that's easy. And then when we do anything, they laugh at us and, and try to put us down because they feel like they're doing something that they're, you know, pounding their chest. It's the same, it, it, it's the same thing every single year that we talk about. But I also think I also think that 
that's, and I had a conversation with somebody about this the other day, you know, on the academic side, UL is just growing, right? The campus is growing. We're, we're bringing in a lot more programs to the school. We just became an R1. It's time that, and this is what I mean by self-esteem, in spite of everything you said, that paradigm that we've always talked about in the state of Louisiana, which actually has caused more backwardsness than progress here, right? It's time we start sticking our chest out a little bit more and saying, you know what? We are here. Here we are. Now it's time for the community to rally around us. Now it's time for people to not go over there and come home. That's our job. That's our job as a university. We need to start doing that. We need to show here. And look, we have data. It's not one of those things we're talking out loud. We have data. We're an R1 institution. We, we, have, we have a bunch of good schools that are growing here uh, within our university. We, we have, I mean, look, just look, last week, nobody knows about this. The, M our, the MBA program where I went, to get my MBA at UL. Did you know Forbes magazine has it ranked in the top 60 MBA programs in America right now? Didn't know that, did you? Where, where, where's the marketing there? Where's the, where's the chest stick? Where, where, why are we sticking our chest out to that? That's what I mean by self-esteem. We, it's time that we stand up and say, we're here. We're here. So let's go, let's go back to the conversation about, about the, the other team's fans that always put us down. Let's think about to when we made our first bowl game. HUD was here. We go to the Superdome, 40,000 tickets sold because the program gave everybody a, a, a reason to be excited. They gave us a reason. Six and six back-to-back -back years, six and seven, whatever, seven and six, whatever we do this year, ain't going to cut it. You're not giving any excitement. Now, in a, in a couple years, the stadium will naturally give a little bit of excitement in the area. But again, we talk about this all the time. You got to give people excitement and a reason to want to go and cheer us on. And you got to get those people that want to poo-poo on us just because, because they think they're funny, because they think they're cool, because they cheer for a, 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 a university that doesn't give a crap about them and isn't in their community. They're going to keep doing their thing. But if you start getting some of those people to engage and a reason to want to come to our games. And I think things start to turn around slowly, but surely, but this is a generational thing, Jerry, this is something that's got to be cultivated. It's got to be something that we do all the time. We got to get a freaking mascot to go into the schools and want kids to ask their mom and dad to go to the games. You you're basically reiterating everything I'm talking about right here. And you're right. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of things. What I'm saying is, is it's not just pointing the finger at the school 60 miles to the east of, of why we're not doing things we're supposed to be doing. A lot of it's on us. Like my dad always says, you point one finger the other direction, three fingers point back at you. Correct. And guess what? The three fingers are pointing back at us. There's a lot of things we need to be doing right now. And 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 with the with the improvement of our university, with the way our university is growing as a whole, we have to be the ones to take to take advantage of that. And so to the point of again, it goes back to self-esteem, and it go and, and it, it trickles all the way down to athletics. The way we the way we presented our new stadium the other day, this stadium has it has to be a home run. The way we do everything from when we demolish the old Cajun field to the way that we 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 build the new stadium. I mean, just yesterday we have a promotion that came out. Ten, by the way, yeah, there's a promotion for the the game against ULM next week. Ten dollar tickets to sit in the upper deck one last time. Where where's that been for the last? five years where where what about where the promotions like that have been we 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 decide the last game of the season to have a promotion like that not necessarily about the the demolishing of the upper deck but we could we had a lot of opportunities to offer five ten dollar tickets we had a chance to hit a grand slam against southern miss and what do we do ten dollar tickets uh discounted tickets to to faculty half of which don't even know we have a football team 
That's what I'm talking about. Gary, that's what I'm talking year. about. You want to you want to reach you want to reach the untapped market? You got to go find the untapped untapped market. You're not going to catch fish if you don't cast. We don't cast. We don't cast. Jerry, we're going to be talking about the same. So every single year, it starts out first game. Everything's chaos. We don't know parking. Our concessions are crazy. We can't scan tickets. We can't you know anything. By the last game of every season, we got to figure it out, and it's a wonderful experience. I, we will be back here the first game of next year, the first home game, talking about the same crap that we talked about the first home game. Happens every single and year. And that's why a lot of people go to the east of the basin because they know they're going to get an experience there. We have, we look, we have to grind a little bit more. We like right here. I love it. Got to recruit new fans. Got to recruit new fans. And, and you know what? There's a lot out there. There's an untapped market. You know why most people pull for that school over there? Because it's a generic pick. They don't, we, we don't go, we don't try hard enough to go after them. So you know what they do? Well, they got a team winning over to the East. I'll just pull for them. It's easy, right? We got to go find a way to attract those people to come here. And I'm telling you, there are a few fans that have done it before. I, I've, I've seen it with my own eyes, but in order to cultivate it, mascot, right? You got to be able to, to, to offer certain incentives for people to show up. You got to give them a return on investment. When you give money to RCAF and all these different things, you got to be able to give the fans something that's worthwhile for the money they're putting in. You got to open up general parking in the parking lot to create an environment so people want to come to your, your football games. Little things like that. It's, it's easy stuff. That's the thing. That's what's so frustrating. This stuff is easy. It's not hard. But they give you every reason in the book of why they can't do it. Culture of camp. Back to the game, Jerry. And back anyway, to the, I'm back, sorry. Back to yes. football as a program. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm trying to tie this all back together. You know, I, I say you can't control what's on the field. You can control what's in the stadium. You can control people coming to the games. You can control your marketing. But I think, I think our our football team can control some of it because, like you said, going back to what we've said every game this season and every game last season. There was so much inconsistency for week to week. You said it last week. We could, we could, well, we might win this game. I wouldn't be surprised if we won this game because that's about par for the course with how we've been. And here we are again talking about how we almost won this game and probably should have won this game, but didn't. But, but Josh, you brought it up. The little things, you know, the penalties, the, the, the missed tackles, the arm tackling, and just the little things again make it hard for us to be fans every week because we keep seeing it and nothing changes. What is it going to take to change is my question. Is it a, I mean, you feel like in year two, there should be some personnel on the coaching side changes there. I, but outside of that, it's, you know, we, we talk about culture. What's our culture right now? I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like the culture we had, you know, for a few years, it feels like it's changed. Is that just me? No, I said no. what I thought about that. We don't. We're not nasty. We're not physical. We don't expect to win. You know what? How many turnovers did Troy have today? Zero. None. We had one. zero. We had one. Okay. So it was a pretty well played game on both sides, but they didn't turn the football over, and we couldn't stop them on defense. Outside well, of the first quarter. If it wasn't for the South Alabama game where we where we forced five turnovers, our turnover margin would be one of the worst in the country right now. Um, I, I believe I don't. If I'm not mistaken, I think we're still like three. I think we're below three or something like that in turnover margin. It's one of the worst. It's one of the worst in America. And that's discipline. That's lack of discipline. That's lack of fundamentals. I mean, the way we lost the game against Southern Miss, you kept 21 points off the board because 
of simple things, right? Ha uh, being able to get a pass off to the tight end and having the tight end being able to know where to stand, having it on, on one uh, fourth down stop. You got the other one where the tight end has to have a little awareness and stepping in the end zone. You have another one where uh, you, 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 you get a scoop and score, but yet you fumble the ball going into the end zone. You got to have ball security. I mean, just last week alone, we left 21 points off the scoreboard today. I felt like we, there were some opportunities, but at the same time, um, I mean, I, I thought today we did everything we, we had to do to win the game. It's just, but, but at the same time, some of the glaring, uh, to your point, Josh, some of the glaring fundamental mistakes, you, you kind of, when you're, when it's this late in the season and you're making those mistakes, it's not going to get fixed. So you just have to find a way to overcome the mistakes you're going to make and just still find a way to score more points than your opponent. Well, when you have the time of possession that we had and the and the plays run disparity going into halftime and we, we weren't winning the game, we were losing the game, I knew we were going to lose the game because we pissed away multiple opportunities to put points on the board. And and look, I know it's a new age and you go forward on fourth down, and, and I'm not saying that's why we lost the game today, but I continued to stare at the screen or be at the game and say, Mike, please don't go for this. Mike, please don't go for this. Just take the points. Just take the points. And I know it's worked out for us sometimes, but but – there's something about that that reeks of desperation to me. And I wonder if it reeks of desperation to that uh, to, to our players. Now, again, that's just an opinion. Uh, Terry, you got it figured out, man. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yes, Hello. sir. Go ahead. All right. Hey, what's up? All right. So I got a few things. Um, uh, before I get to what, what, what happened in the game, I, I want to go back to the whole self-esteem thing. You don't build self-esteem by announcing, you know, your – breaking down the upper deck, building a new project. You know, that's two steps forward. We can take three steps back by announcing a home and home with Kennesaw State. That, to me, reeks of low self-esteem. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that just, uh, yeah. By the While way, other people are scheduling. Ole Miss, yeah. right? Ole Miss is going to South Alabama home and home? Yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. I was about to, yeah, I was about to say that. South, South Alabama's got Ole Miss. I think, I think Southern Miss is scheduling home and home Mississippi State. I think they got yeah, Mississippi Yeah, 2025. But, but yeah, all, 2025, I've heard, all, yeah, I've heard, all I've heard, Terry, when we say things like, well, why can App State get UNC to do a home and home? Why can Virginia Tech travel to JMU? Why can all these other teams? Yeah. Oh, do you? Why can all these other teams get a home Four and home? Four times, by the way. Yeah, we're told, well, we're that's ACC. We're SEC, we're in SEC territory. It can't happen. Yet you other teams Houston are making it happen. the Big 12 three hours away. You got Houston right there, three hours away. Are we even trying? We can't are we even trying? Is my question. Are we even trying? We're, we're, we're not. We're not. We're we're pin, we're penny pinching. You know, I, I'm. I was about to go on a tangent and about to say some curse words. Oh, I don't want to play the Mac. I don't want to play the Mac anymore. We can play him in basketball. I do not want to play the Mac ever again in football. I don't care about the Mac. That doesn't excite look, me. I'm sorry. I, and look, I'll give my two cents about Kennesaw State. It was a last-minute deal to replace New Mexico State because the Conference USA apparently is playing that October schedule, midweek schedule that they did this year, which is totally crazy. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but it, it's it's so small time. But we had to replace New Mexico State. I understand Kennesaw State is a last-minute deal. That does not change the fact that that excites anybody in this fan base. When Anybody. did the whole Kusa fallout happen? It depressed me. It brought me so much. It brought me so down. Like, it, like it honestly brought me into a slump when I saw the announcement. Kusa, like, Kusa dissolved as it was two years ago. This should have been on the books. We should have been working on this for two years. I don't want to hear it's last minute. They somebody somebody just replaced the game with a P five in our league in twenty twenty four. 
Well, Cusa, so Cusa announced, as I think, like maybe last season that they were going to the well, October midweek conference schedule. I believe it was Well, I'm just talking year. about the fact that there should have been some sort of dialogue for the last two years because, obviously, New Mexico State was the easiest one to predict that was going to be left out in the cold, which, by the way, shout-out to Jerry Kill in New Mexico State who just beat Auburn and is now 9-3 and three or 8-3, and three, one of the That's two. That's awesome. Yeah. It is. Him. and Actually, probably yeah. a good thing that we got him off the schedule because they might have whooped our ass. Uh, regardless, I don't want to hear Kennesaw State is the last minute. I don't want to hear that. Two years. You had two years to start to make a plan. I'm sick and tired of the scheduling bullshit. We won't do a two-for-one with a, a mid-tier P5 or a lower-tier P5. We will. He Maggard refuses to do a two-for-one. Who do we think we are? We have to do a two-for-one. Nobody's coming here. We got to figure out a way. Wh but why is Ole Miss not doing a two-for-one? They're doing a home-and-home -home with South Alabama. Like, it's not even that hard. I'll give them this. One thing I can say about some of these P5s that are willing to travel to, to the G5s, they're in brand new stadiums or newer stadiums. Maybe having a renovated stadium helps our cause in that in that regard, but that's the only but, thing that I can think that makes any difference. So, so here's the thing: what I've heard, like, and I know we're getting off subject, and I want to talk about the game. What I've heard, what Mac Brown said when he said he went to a home and home with App State and with Georgia State in the same year, North Carolina last year went to App and Georgia State. They said they went to Georgia State because it's a great recruiting market because they recruit the Atlanta area. South Louisiana is one of the best recruiting markets in college sports. Yep. You tell me nobody wants to come here and bring a recruit here and say, hey, we're playing, you know, an away game at, you know, in Lafayette against, you know, the Razor King or whatever. Yeah, come come by or whatever. We might, yeah, we, we're going to win. And then we upset them. You don't, you don't think, like, like, it's a great strategy, man. And we are just so, like, uh, it, it's what HUD said, small time. That's small, we, we're small time. We Terry, small time, when we were man. when we were independents, we had teams, Ole Miss played at Cajun Field. Alabama freaking traveled and played us at Cajun Field. You can't tell me. I get it's a different time. But when when South Alabama has, like you said, has them go, doing a home-and-home, home, not a two-for-one, talking about recruiting areas, we are the hotbed for recruiting. Are you kidding me? Are we even asking the question is what I'm asking. Are we even asking the question? And if we are, tell us you are. Then that's the, that's the biggest problem I have. And we've, we've had this problem for so many years at these university is that people just don't come out and tell us. If you tell us, yeah, we tried. People don't want to come. Here's the reason. Or, you know, we really haven't focused on that. Maybe that's something we'll look in the future. I think you would that would pacify all of us. We'd be happy with any type of answer. But you get just like the the stadium unveiling, you get these super secret meetings and these super secret, you know, some people get access to this and just be just be upfront with us. And and that would to me make it a lot more appealing to people kind of on the fence on whether or not they want to be fans if you communicate to them what you're doing and why you're doing it. But it's all this this secret society thing that you find out four days later that people already knew. You can't drum up excitement that way. You're trying to create an exclusive club to a fan base that doesn't have enough members to be exclusive with. It's the same people. I was just about to say that. It's the same people. And look, I love our, our big time supporters. I mean, I, I know most of them and that's great, but it's the same people. Like we're not cultivating that type of group and the, the group we are trying that we do have, it's the same people. We, we're not, again, you're trying to create an exclusive group and a super secret group 
that is it's just not enough. There's no demand for one. That should, to me, that that stadium unveiling should have been open to the general public, in my opinion. Should have been open to the general public. To my to my original point, just come out and tell us why we can't do why 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 can't we schedule a home and home with a power five team or power four or whatever? Like why can we not do that? That is all we want to know. That's what we've all been asking. Because other teams are doing it, and all you get are excuses that, well, but it's ACC. Well, but they're in Big Ten country. Well, we're an SEC country, and so is South Alabama, and they just signed a home-and-home home with uh, uh, an SEC team. So what, why? I think Troy did one, that? too. As I'm not, not Everyone else is doing it, man. Everyone else is. My watch ULM schedule at home and home with another P5 before. Well, you know, it's, ULM, it's they've, they've had a, a more recent uh, P5 opponent come to Mon- Monroe than we have. They had Baylor come more recently than we got Oklahoma, than we had Oklahoma State. Yep. By the way, that Baylor game was so much fun to watch because those ULM folks were into it. I mean, it was a packed stadium. They were having fun. It was exciting. That's the kind of stuff that we need as a community if you want to start getting Acadiana behind them. If you bring in teams that people know, I mean, look, the, let's let's talk about reality. TSAP fans, they're, they're all over Acadiana. You have got to appeal to them to make them to also want to be fans of ours. We've got to start reaching out to those fans that kind of want to, okay, well, I'll go check this game out. They're not going to, a a team, you got to think these fans aren't going to decide between if they're going to go see TSAD play Auburn or watch us play ULM. I'm telling you what that's going to be. They're going to stay home and watch the other game. But if you start scheduling games of teams that they know, like if you get a Mississippi State to come in, not to the, not to the, the Superdome, but get them to do a home and home with us, you're going to have a lot of those casual fans that hate Mississippi State show up at our games to cheer for us because they hate Mississippi State more than they hate us. I mean, that teams that they know, they're going to show up and support us for. But we don't need, I, but instead we're playing MAC teams like Akron that nobody cares about. Even even Austin, like, you know, Houston, a, a simple, like, I mean, they just became P5. That's that's what we, we just played them, you know, the bowl game last year. That's a low-hanging fruit that I know that we could, we could get you know, a home and home series with them. But like, like I said, Maggard small time. He, 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 he's small time. Uh, look, I, and I don't want to get into the talk about the game. I'm, I'm sorry. I got us all off on a tangent again. Forgive me. Uh, shout out to Mr. Neil Johnson. I, uh, think I saw him just in the, in the space. He had an amazing game. Uh, I'm be honest with y'all, like y'all know I'm a pessimist. I didn't think we we're going to win this game. Uh, I thought we we're going to get our asses blown out. The fact that we played hard, and we lost on a heartbreak, bullshit PI call. Made it. I mean, it made me want to cry. Honestly, it made me tear up a little bit. Like for real, I would have much rather just gotten blown out by a better Troy team because we played horrible the past three or four weeks than lose that way. I would just much rather get my ass blown out. Honestly, man. I, I'm gonna say Terry, the one, and that's a takeaway for me too. We we showed up today like we wanted to play football. I can't say that we did that the last two weeks. We we showed up today. And I was proud of the fact that that we did that. I mean, if any, if there was any good takeaway from that, I typically for me, I can tell between mid second quarter what team showed up and what we're gonna do. And mid second quarter, I was like, okay, we we showed up to play today, so I was happy with that. Me, me too, me too. And and Troy's a very good team. Uh, Solomon and Juvenor are gonna play on Sundays. Uh, we could not do anything with them on the edges, but our tackles were blocking for their damn lives. 
I mean, they should have taken deeper pass sets, in my opinion, from off of my perspective. Uh, if anything, I think they should have had some chip help from the running back, knowing those guys were screaming off the edge. Uh, coach Rusty Witt is their strength coach, and, you know, I hit up Coach Witt, you know, here and there throughout the season, and he does a great job with, you know, training that team. And, you know, I you know, I love Coach Witt, so I knew they were, they were always going to be physical and they're always going to be in shape. Um, the freshman center, I, like, like you know, I can't, I don't know his name, I'm sorry, but I think he played as well as he could. He did get uh, blown up in the early in the uh, first two or three series. He did get blown off the ball uh, here and there. But you just, that's just, when you're playing one of the best defenses in the Sun Belt, and you got to get adjusted to the game. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. just how it is. You can't, you yeah. can't simulate that guy coming off the ball at you like that. Ain't no way. <laughs> no. And uh, I will say this. We did a very poor job in the first, uh, later, on the, in, in, later on in the game, we got better at it. But we threw more screens this game, which I'm happy. I wish I don't know why we don't throw more screens regardless. We threw a lot of screens this game. But when the first two or three series we were throwing screens and the offensive line was getting out of space, they kept getting beat underneath. And, like, I remember we had two uh, – like, even the commentator, commentators made a made – a, a, uh, a comment about it. We had two guys, two offensive linemen in the vicinity of a defensive back to block on a screen and they just let them script, like just, just slip by. Like blocking in space is no different than tackling in space. And we are, we, we are horrible at tackling and blocking in space. I don't know what's got to happen. Dez has to hold somebody on the coaching staff accountable. Somebody has to break down and tackle and block in space. Well, we're going to continue to allow people third and long to allow third and long and we're going to continue to get stops on down and distances when we should have gotten first downs several times you know it's i don't and i i don't know what i don't know what has to happen like i said does hold people accountable some of that and the other i don't know what he's gonna say in the press conference and guys i'm just so sick of just losing these one score games i mean it, it was already tiring winning one score games when we should have been blown people out with billy but it's even worse it was constantly. I was going to say the same thing, Terry. I mean, you do you remember how mad we would get when we would, you know, we were ranked in the top 25 and we would edge out Georgia State by like one point and we'd come out here pissed off because we only lost by one point. It's it's like I always say, it, it, uh, yeah. a, 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 an ugly win is better than a sexy loss. And today was a sexy loss yes. to me. I, I would like, yeah, I would like a lot of those ugly wins right now. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's um, I love Dez, man, and for him, like I said, if we came into this game, right, and the commentators even said, like, you know, if Michael Desermo said, if uh, you know, they're three, they're three players away from being eight and two, it's like you came into this game eight and two and you lost like that, I honestly wouldn't be mad. But the fact that we are constantly in these one score games just pisses me off even more. But also just makes you think that we're not going to get better because you you are you are who you are. Like we're, they this team is they they don't break down in space on blocks or tackles, bullshit penalties. Uh, I mean, like we for, struggle for in the years. red zone for two years. This is not one year. This is two years. Very similar, exactly detail oriented things that are not happening. I've been talking about techniques since the since the ULM game last year. It's all over the yeah. tape. All you got to do is throw it out and put them in, put put their guy in a, a man a one on one situation out in space, like you said. We're very bad at that, Terry. I'm I'm agree with you about. Look, I, I'm gonna say 
I cannot stand with coaches say stuff like, well, we're one, two, three plays away from being this record. Look, if my aunt had had wheels, she'd be a motorcycle. I said that earlier this season. Like, it makes no sense to me. That that tells me nothing. That tells me that you weren't good enough to win those games, regardless of how many plays you think we had to win. I hate when coaches say that. And that's not a hit on Des. It's just a fact. I just hate when coaches say that. That's coach speak. And that drives me nuts. Well, to me, it tells me that he wasn't as detail-oriented as he felt that he should have been, you know, in the offseason, in my opinion. I feel like when you're saying this stuff, why weren't you this detail-oriented in the offseason? Like, why is it coming up now? And like, like I said, you just are who you are. Maybe you just didn't look at these details, and they weren't a priority to you. But they're just sticking out now. And, like, it's – and, like, it, the commentators say, like, what we're, we're one of seven teams to – Bring back the entire entire staff. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It, it's a great question. <laughs> only seven, only seven staffs in FBS came back intact, and we're one of them. And we're constantly on here every day talking about the staff. I mean, yeah. come on. Well, I mean, it, again, if we were eight and three, we'd be happy with it, right? But we're not, and so that that, that answers your question, Terry. That answers your question. Yeah. And then, and then, thing brings my my next question: Who does Dez have in his rolodex to call up if he has to let somebody go? Is he a vic- are, Is are we a victim of the circumstances of our head coach to where he has to settle for Lamar? I know he loves Lamar. I know his team is with Lamar. So I, I I love that Lamar is on DC too. Just the fact that he's a former Cajun and he's you know coaching his alma mater. But are we a victim of the circumstances of our own head coach? The fact that he does not know anybody else. I'll speak, I'll speak for somebody. I, I I wanted Lamar here. Politics for him to be here. All that. Came on here a million times and said I wanted Lamar. I'm all set. I'm all set on the Lamar thing. Uh, the, the, the Lamar experiment, I'm all set. I've seen everything I need to see. We've not gotten better. I, I don't know how much we're developing kids. I I cannot stand the way he, he coordinates a game in game. Now, you know. You can say about how we start defensively, and a lot of times we're usually on point or whatever defensively. But as the game wears along, I don't see it. And the fact that we yeah. we, we continually – he he is so terrified to get beat in man. It drives me nuts. When Patrick Tony lined up, he lined up to beat you and stop you. Lamar lines up and crosses his fingers and hopes nothing bad happens. And I'm so sick and tired of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell you reality from my point of view is – you are going to see changes, but it won't be with him. I, I, I just, I, I think it's, look, the hire was made on emotion. I think, I think the decisions going forward will be made with emotion. And I think that it's, it might be a trickle down effect. There might be others that are replaced, but I, I don't think the guys on top will be replaced. I'm, I mean, I think that's reality for me. At least going forward. No, you're right. I mean, you're you're right. Nobody's gonna get. I agree. I don't think anybody's gonna get fired. Uh, somebody will be reassigned, or somebody will take a job somewhere else. But I don't think anybody's gonna get fired on the staff, especially if they win on uh, on next week. If they go to two bowl games, Martin Hall's gonna be as happy as they could be. Nothing's gonna change until the the people that are that have the purse strings are gonna be uh, unhappy enough to make a change with, with with this particular case, similar to basketball. But no, man, the, 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 this in game stuff is just. We have way too much talent. Our personnel is too good. You guys realize that most of the games that we've stayed close in is not because of scheme or not because of coaching decisions or adjustments. It's because our personnel has just been better than the other guy on the other side. I mean, without this personnel, we could be three, 
three or you know three or four win team. That's that's the reality yeah. of it. That's the, what I see. Uh, and, and you know maybe they can turn around and maybe it's just something that we, we, for whatever reason we can't communicate this to the players. You saw so, Des kind of mentioned that in the post game last week. You know something about you know we got to get better. We got to get back to basics. Uh, to me, that says you're not you 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 don't possess the ability to communicate what you're coaching to your players. That's what I heard him say. Um, that's a coaching issue. That's not a personnel issue. And and now also say that our recruiting remains strong. I don't really see a huge dip in recruiting. Like I said, a lot of our young guys are some of the best guys on the team. So what is it? Is it development? Is it communication? Is it is it just they get scared in the bright lights? That could be some it, of it too. Is it that everyone's a player's coach and nobody wants to have the hard conversations? That's it. There's, it's too friendly and too comfortable. We've been saying that here for six weeks. It's too friendly and too so. comfortable. And the, fact that, and, and the fact that I, oh, I'm sorry, uh, but the fact that when you say like, oh, we just got to get back to basics, that we've been playing football since we were in diapers, bro. The hell are you talking about? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that excuse from Dez. But I love Dez. I don't buy that excuse. But Terry, you know, you know how it is yeah. when it comes to like coach speak. The message is is behind the message. So as a player, you hear Mike go up, go up to the podium and say that. What's he really trying to say to the players in the locker room? Because that comment wasn't just for the fans and just for the media. There, there was some sprinkling of, I got to say something to my kids also. So what do you think he was trying to say? Or not say? Uh, what, what was he trying to not say? I think, I, think, I think he's honestly just saying that he's got to, I think he's got to get his head on straight. And his staff has to get that. It, and, 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 and Josh, you're in the military, man. You've had commanding officers. And, you know, I, I equate you know, being a head coach of being, you know, say the NCO of a unit, right? For those of you that aren't in the military, you probably don't know what NCO is, not commission officer, blah, blah, blah. But I know my, my CO, my NCO would come to me and be like, yeah, we got to make some changes around here. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, I'm about to, I'm about to start correcting some things, right? You, you knew somebody was going to get their asses in, in shape. You know, somebody, somebody's going to get their ass fired. Somebody's going to uh, come take your spot. And somebody else is gonna probably get taken out of the unit because you're not picking up your own weight, right? So that, that, to me, that's that's the type of you know leader you know speak I would like from my head coach to where like, hey, some of y'all ain't picking up the pace. Whether it's the head coach, whether it's the players, whether it's uh, you know the the, tra- the trainers, you know what I'm saying whether it's equipment staff, some of y'all ain't picking up the ain't picking up the slack. And I'm about to start making some changes around here. That's what I, that's what I would love. Yeah, and there's but no, I know Dez is not going to do that. There's no emotion with your CEO and your NCOs. It, the fact is, there's a job that needs to be done, exactly. and, and I, I'm not going to let you, a weak link, get in my way of success. And and if exactly. you look at the way HUD did it, and I know you'll you'll probably agree with this, but also Billy, nice guys, you know, guys that, I mean, they had some asshole in them. They had a little yeah. bit of that extra. Hey, uh, if you don't get the job done, you're out, and there's no questions asked. I, I will tell you this, a, a, a hut story. When we were getting our asses blown out by, uh, by, by Arkansas State at home, by Gus Malzahn, I remember Brooks, I think it was Brooks Hack, was uh, he had the headset on because he was like, you know, backup quarterback. He had the headset on. So, of course, backup quarterbacks always have the headset. And I remember he was like, I, I think he said something like, uh, I swear to God, if you guys don't figure the fuck out, I'm about to fire every single one of you. Like, <laughs> I'm... I'm <laughs> He sure he said that on the headset to everybody on the defense staff because you just couldn't stop him. Terry, I think you and me and Josh, look, I, I've been a manager for a bunch of years in my real job, in my real life. 
And one of the things that that I every single year on my review, my the people who report to me say I appreciate his directness. I appreciate him telling me exactly how it is and not sugarcoating anything and telling me what he expects. And when I hear coaches say things like, well, we just got to do better. Well, we just got to do the little things. That's not being upfront with me. And that's something that sticks with me when, when someone, and again, I'm an RCAF donor. I am not a big one. Trust me. I'm not a big, huge donor. Every single year though, I up, up, up what I give to the RCAF. And so if I'm a paying customer and hearing my boss tell me, well, we just got to get better. That's not direct speak to me. That's not what I'm responding to. Just tell me what's going on. Just just be upfront with me. And I think that's the thing that we're lacking, not only from a coaching perspective, but also a university perspective. Just tell us what's going on. Don't be scared to be direct with us. We can handle the truth. Just tell it to us. Tell me if we're not, if we, if we're sucking, if we suck this week, just say, dude, we sucked. And look, as much as I hate the Georgia state coach, I appreciate the fact that he comes out every week and says exactly what's on his mind and is direct with it and communicates that to his players through what he's saying. And, and this like in between, well, we just got to execute better. That's not doing anything for the players. They don't care about that. They're not hearing anything he's saying. Yeah. Totally agree, and like and and Josh, remember, uh, you you remember the command climate surveys when everybody in the in the uh, in the unit would do a survey and it would go directly to the to the CO. Did y'all ever do that in the yes. Air Force? Yes, sir. All right, remember, and like they said, then always said the number one thing, the number one thing everybody was complaining about, lack of communication. Always, of communication. that's amazing that that happened to y'all too. That's it was always yeah. like ninety percent. Yep. Yep. That's always the thing. Hey, what's the schedule like? Uh, hey, here's, yeah, here's, yeah, yeah. Terry, here's my problem. I <laughs> over-communicate. I think I tell people too much at work. That's my problem. I over-communicate, but they appreciate that, man, because I'm real. People are aware. Least, I'm real. At least, at least I'm real people are aware. Them. Yeah. I have, a, yeah. Um, I have a story about when, when Billy was coaching here a few years ago from a former player, and the way Billy was, mm-hmm. and you would see him in the interviews, he was always soft-spoken. I have yet, I don't even know if I've seen Billy raise his voice anytime, right? Outside of maybe some of his pregame speeches in the locker room, whenever uh, we'd see those uh, highlight videos. And there there were times when Billy would basically go up to a player during stretch period. I think it was like the first few periods of of practice and players would be stretching and uh, getting ready for their drills. And Billy would literally have a small piece of paper in his hand with a list and would walk up to three to five players. And he would just walk up to him and go, Hey, uh, Got a report from your your position coach that uh, in this tone, by the way, saw that uh, you were about five minutes five minute yeah five minutes late to class or uh, that they didn't see you sitting in the first few rows of uh, of class. Um, oh man, well I hate to say it, man, but you know we have a we have a we have rules here. You, you're gonna have to run some gassers after practice. And then he would go to the next guy. Oh, I saw. Um, oh man, you were late to your meeting can't have that here, man. Look, we need you. We need you to step up and be a leader, but we can't have it. You can't be late to meeting. See, after practice, you're going to run on, you're going to run, you're going to run sprints. And he would just say it like that. And the, and of course the player would be disappointed. Like, come on coach. No, no, that's how we do things around here. You, you, you mess up, you got to run, but he never yelled at him. He never screamed at him, but you know what he got? He earned the respect of the players. Cause they said, you know what? He's not yelling. He's not making me look like a fool in front of everybody, but he has rules. And if I want to play, I have to follow those rules. You don't have to scream. 
You don't have to throw stuff against the wall. You don't have to go full, you know, full-fledged flip over the Gatorade uh, bottle or whatever. Like, you just just be real. Be up front. Be soft. I mean, Billy soft-spoken. And it, obviously, he got, a, he got a reception from the team. Jerry, I'm laughing because you're speaking robe talk. Let me tell you, that yes, man yes, could make you feel like, like the smallest person on the earth and not even blink or, or crack a smile. I mean, he could light into you and not even raise his voice louder than I'm communicating right now. He was he was brutal. Y'all y'all don't know that side of road, but let me tell you, when you were on that side of road, you wanted to just hide in a rock and just not uh, in a hole and not come out. That was, that was some scary stuff. But we need that in the locker room. We need some feelings to get hurt if that's what it takes. Yeah. And, and like the but what HUD would do, HUD and Coach Witt, they would they would circle you up to practice, and they would have a list. Like Terry Johnson, you missed weight gain. You didn't drink your shakes, and you didn't eat your bagels. You're gonna board after practice. And I was like, oh my god, man. that sounded like, too realistic, they, they were, Terry. That you that didn't eat your bagels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't eat, didn't eat your bagels. You didn't come to weight gain at zero six hundred in the morning. So now you got to board after practice. Oh, Jimmy's up in the space. Jimmy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> But Terry, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to tell it to you from experience and from whatever the people have told me. Again, I've been a manager for a lot of years in my industry. People appreciate you calling them out on their bull. And people it will, will hate it at first when you say things like that. But in the end, they're going to love it. Yep. True. Well, T, I'm going to get to some, some other people, but appreciate your, uh, your thoughts. You're going to hang with us? I might go back to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be here, man. Okay, sounds good. Corey, thanks for joining the Raging Review podcast. The floor is yours. Hey, guys. How's it going? Nice to see you again. Here to talk to you again. Yes, sir. Um, the thing I'm, I'm, I'm talking about today is like it's my biggest problem with Coach Mike is, is he can't win the games that matter. You know? Not just as far as like the season, but just like the rivalry stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm looking over, and I think it was last week that I talked about you know how App State has fallen under Scott Clark. But one thing Scott Clark does do is that he upholds the App State standard of winning games that matter. They rise to you the know, occasion. Despite, yep. Despite you know them not winning the conference in several years or not making a bowl game um, for the first time in a long time. They still beat Texas A&M. They still give both South and North Carolina a run for their money, if not beat them. Um, and when they play these, like, big Sun Belt schools, you know, well, big Sun Belt schools, when they play the Sun Belt schools and, you know, things are on the line, they come out with a win. When the natural spotlight is on them, they still got crosses. No, Scott Clark. Um, Scott Clark has still been able to expand the App State brand because he wins the games that matter. When everyone's eyes are on you, you win the games that matter. And Mike has yet to do that. He has yet to win the games that matter to us. You know, losing to ULM, losing to have yet to beat USM. I mean, I was, I was. So excited to play Houston in the bowl game last year because that's a historic rivalry within itself, right there. And fumbled that one away a year a year before they moved to the Power Five, and they fumbled that one away. So um, you know he was 
promoted to be head coach to keep the standards that was established under Billy. And obviously those standards are being met, but at at least bare minimum, I wish, I wish he would win the games that matter to us. And, um, that's yet to be seen. He might do it ne- hopefully next week against you all on, but um, that's that's just been so heartbreaking to see. I, I think that the Marshall game last year was one of those crucial moments that you kind of got the feeling that maybe we were starting to turn the corner with him at, at the helm, uh, but that might be the only one now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, I'll make a comment, and then I'll throw it to Jerry. I think that's just a microcosm. You know, you hear the old cliché, teams take the personality of their coach or they start to, you know, they start to look like their coach. I, I contend that we're at our worst in situational, uh, well, in, in situational, um, almost said situational situations. In crucial situations, that's situational coaching. You practice those particular situations because they determine games, right? That is where we're at our weakest, I find, most often. Uh, on money downs, where you really got to have it, I find that that's some of our that's one of our weak points in our team, and if you if you want to look at it in a more broad sense, when Des really has to come up big and really get a, a game like you know Arkansas State, like you got to understand that moment. You got to understand that you're on the road against a rival, a, a team that's not as bad as their record indicates. A team that got off to a bad start, had a bunch of injuries with a whole bunch of guys coming back to be healthy, a freshman quarterback that was figuring it out. You can't show up and not play to win. You can't show up and totally lay an egg. And I find that like we, it's like we we lack the understanding or awareness of the moment under Mike Des in two years. And and similarly in the games, it's like we don't understand the moment, or we are we shy away from the moment, if you want to say it like that. What do you think, Jerry? Before the season started. All we heard was revenge tour, revenge tour. We're going to go on a revenge tour because we didn't play to the standard of what the way we played last year. And we're going to go out there and we're going to show everybody this is what the culture is about, right? We're going to go back to where we, back to the basics and the roots of where we were two or three years ago. I've yet to see that. We got revenge against one team that beat us last year, and that's South Alabama. You had your chance against Southern Miss. You lost that game. You had your chance today against Troy. You lost that game. You get another shot at ULM next week. But, I mean, I would hope we can win that game, right? I mean, they always give us a game at Cajun Field. They're coming in 2-9, and nine and, you know, I mean, it might be a one-touchdown game for all we know, or less. So, to your point, Josh, about playing for the moment, I, I haven't seen it this year. I, I thought I saw it against UAB. UAB's not a good team this year. They're not that good. They're actually a little more disappointing than what I anticipated them to be. Same thing with Buffalo. Um, it's the fact that we're still making the same mistakes. We're still buffering on the same fundamental errors that I saw last year that is concerning to me now. Now, in the pregame today, Coach Des alluded to the fact that, you know, he kept saying, we're close, man. We're going to get there. We're so close. We're so close. If you're going on a revenge tour, shouldn't you already be there? What what are we I'm, I'm just curious like and not to be mean, but what are we close to? Like what are we close to? Is is, is so so when we get there is are we going to ma- is all the are all the fundamental mistakes just going to magically disappear? What are we close to? Now I feel you, Jerry. I I agree with you. I don't 
I don't know. I agree with you too. I, I don't know. Well, Corey, appreciate your comments. Uh, we're all kind of fishing in the same hole here to borrow a cliche yeah. from a uh, Jaybird Walker. Um, let's see. Seth, Seth Riche. Thanks for requesting, sir. The floor is yours. Hey, sorry about that. Go ahead. Um, so going back to, you know, these costly penalties and stuff, you know, it, it's, it's not the, the end all be all, but still I'm a proponent of teams make their own luck. And do you think the, you know, the off season training or the game day week training has something to do with that? Cause I mean, you know, staffs have different approaches. You know, some staffs like to go out, you know, like to go fishing sometimes, like to hang out with their families. The other staffs like to sleep on the office floors and prepare for games. You know, you think that has proponent to things you're not closing out closed games is, you know, just, just the work's not there. I mean, I'm not saying one way is better than the other, but still it seems like, you know, it, there's some gaps. So one thing I don't know, and and this is what we were sold on as a fan base was the reasoning behind the hire, right? Is because Des will come in and keep everything the same. That the same structure, everything's going to be the same. It, we're just handing the torch over to him because he knows the process now. Billy has taught him the Alabama process that he learned and that we implemented. The question that I have and that I have not had an answer for in the past two years is are we still doing those processes? Are we still following the same guidelines that we had when we were so successful a few years ago? And I get I get there are going to be tweaks along the way, but that is my question to you, Jerry, and you, Josh. Do you know? Are we still? Are, I mean, because that's what we were sold on. We were sold on this is how Alabama did it. This is how Billy did it. This is how we're going to do it going forward. Is that? Because the results aren't the same, so is that different? That is my question to you guys. I think for me, I, I remember an interview whenever uh, when he was hired, and one of the things that kind of – I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it kind of concerned me a little bit was the question of, I know you never coached anywhere else other than UL, but the good news is that you had the experience come to you through Billy Napier. And that kind of concerned me a little bit. And Josh, maybe you can help me with this because I've never seen somebody take a new job because the experience comes to them. Usually in the working world, you have to go out to other places, experience other scenery, experience other senses. You got to smell some a place differently. You got to see something differently. You got to, you got to, like get a feeling of a different place before being able to, to get pretty much all in all promoted to a job. Right. I thought that was a little concerning when I heard that uh, in a few of the interviews, like, Oh, the experience came to you. That to the, to your point, Nick, about the process that you're, that you were alluding to with Billy Napier to me, in order to fulfill that process, I feel like you have to go to other, like I, and this is just my opinion. I'm not a coach, but I feel like as a coach, it's not just Billy's process, but you have to, I feel like you have to go learn through other coaching staff besides Billy, right? Now, granted, Billy learned from the best through Nick Saban, but there's other coaches out there who have their own formula for success that I thought, you know, might've been necessary for the new head coach to go learn from, if that makes sense. 
like when you say the experience comes to you, that that was a little concerning to me. And, and that kind of brings us here. We are full circle now, almost two years later from that. And obviously that's not quite the case of the quote unquote culture that we were used to seeing two years ago, because to your point, that process, if the process was really being fulfilled, if the process was really working in the way that we were told it would be working, we wouldn't be staring at the, we would be looking at a five and six record the second year in a row. We wouldn't be sitting in the Sunbelt conference with a two and five record. We wouldn't be talking about how we have to beat ULM uh, to become bowl eligible the last game of the season, like we did last year against Texas state. Uh, we wouldn't be losing games to teams that we were favored against. We've lost four games this year that we were favored against. That's the concerning thing. And that's something that I'm kind of looking at going, you know, obviously something's missing from what we were told two years ago when, when the hire was made again, I've always said, I'm not, I'm not jumping off the bus. I, I hope coach Daz can get it done, but there's a lot of glaring issues right now that I'm seeing again, you're sitting in, and no matter all the intricacies, Oh, we're so close and we played well today. We're still five and six the second year in a row when we should have improved tremendously from what we saw last year. Jerry, it's not, I'm going to take it a step further. It's not even the fact that we're five and six worrying about, you know, getting bowl eligible. It's the fact that we're five and six worried about ULM possibly beating us next week. That that's where we are. Like we have gone from being a top 25 team two years ago to being worried that ULM is going to come to our house and kick our ass next week and keep us out of a bowl game. That's where we are. And that's reality. And and you can paint it however you want, but that's reality. Well, let me let me add on to that. So, you know, Billy coached at Clemson, Billy coached at Alabama. You know, if you watch the documentary about um, Urban Meyer at Florida, you know, just, just kind of gives you an example of what these guys have gone through is that he couldn't go to a restaurant starting three and two, winning records. So the pressure of the SEC, I mean, does that do something to these coaches that, you know, I have to be focused. I have to be really strong. I have to be, you know, drilled down so deep to win or I'm getting fired or I'm getting as communicated from my city that I live in. You know, does that add to the, you know, the drive of these coaches that we don't have? Yes. And then also add the human element, right? Imagine you're in a small group with just a manager and that manager is, gives you suggestions, gives you some guidance, whatever, but you're still pretty friendly. You see him on a regular basis. And then imagine that guy, becomes the CEO of the company. And then that guy is telling you, you're going to get here at this time, you're going to leave at this time, you're going to put in the extra hours, and he's giving you orders rather than just kind of being your pal and giving you some suggestions. The human element is you're not typically going to respond well to that. So what does the new CEO does? What does the new CEO do? He tries to be your friend. He doesn't want to bother you because you had a, you had a personal intimate relationship before you got the hire or before he got the promotion. So now you have the human element that says, I, I don't want to hurt this guy's feeling. He's kind of my friend, but at the same time, I need the results. So that's the human element. That's the worrisome part about, you know, promoting from within that happens at every business in America. Also, the fact that a lot of these guys are local, they get to go home. They got their wives and their kids sitting, you know, 15 minutes away from the stadium. Patrick Tony spent 18 hours a day in that facility, seven days a week. Like, the guy never, ever left. They had to make him go home. He ate cheese crackers and stared at film for, for weeks on end. 
do we have the same kind of dedication in this building? I would say that it's probably a little bit more difficult with a lot of the local staff and their families being so close to each other. That's, again, a human element. You know, I, I'm guessing. I'm projecting. I'm just telling you, I don't see the, the dog. We talked about this last week. Where's the dog? Where's the nastiness? Where is the urgency? I don't see it in this team. And, and to your question about the process being the same, it's impossible for the process to be the same when 80% of the building is new. Regardless of how closely you stick to a regimen, something's going to change along the line. You know that game telephone where you say something at the beginning of a line, you get to the end of the line, it's a completely different message, right? Well, some of these coaches are going to interpret uh, you know, direction and guidance differently. It's just a completely different staff. There's absolutely no way the process is the same. But that's so those are my thoughts on, on all that. That's what we were sold on. Well, we all know that that was BS now. Right. We all know right. that that was we BS. Do. Well, we do. well the, the thing is, is though, that Billy's, everyone knew when Billy came here, his goal was to get a P5 job. And as a G5, that's what you want. You want your coaches, you want to be cycling coaches every three, four years. Sure. That means you're very successful and you've hired correctly. I mean, like I said, the end goal when they hired this or whoever would have been, is you know I, I saw celebrations like oh well good now we don't have to find somebody every three to four years and that that really bothered me a lot was that you know people were celebrating like oh he'll stay here forever I'm like well is that really a good thing honestly uh, that, that's just my take on it yeah it could be though because there there it could be because a guy like Des if he has a success he's not going to be as prone to leave as somebody who just looks at this as a stepping stone. So I do get that a little bit in the fact that if he has a ton of success, he may not jump just because of a paycheck. But I get what you're saying. And a lot of people feel exactly the same way as you do. Uh, but I think, look, I think if he if next year he comes out and somehow we make it into the playoff, do I think Des would jump at the first opportunity to jump to another team? I don't think so. And I think that's that is the advantage of Des is that He's, he's from here. I don't think he would leave if he has success, but there's a whole lot of downside to go along with that, which we've talked about tonight. But I get it. I, a lot of people still feel the same way as you do. We, we are a long way from having to worry about a big check being flashed <laughs> in front of his face. I'm just saying that's a fact. We're a long way from that. I, get uh, it. I would I love get it. to be dealing with that problem. You get the uh, point, though, right? You get Seth, the point. No, no, 100%. Seth, appreciate your thoughts. Mr. Trey Oakland. Thanks for requesting, sir. The floor is yours. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, agreeing with everything y'all were kind of saying. We're kind of talking about a lot of stuff that I've been kind of thinking really ever since we hired Des. Uh, just like, I, I, I don't know. A lot, the, 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 that main reason I feel like that like came from like Maggard and, and even Des a bit of like, well, he learned from Napier and like Napier had like cracked the code of like how to win college football and like had figured out like a formula that if you just like do these things, then that equals success like automatically. And I think like Napier is learning himself in Florida that like it doesn't quite work that way. And like, I think, you know, we should be learning that as well, that like there isn't just like a formula that like if you just do what worked two years ago, it's going to work again like now. And I think maybe that's part of like, you know, why there was a lot of concern about like, you know, Des having a lack of experience. Like he only worked really under like, you know, HUD for like a year or two and then, Napier and like sure like that experience with Napier was great but like that's not the same as like you know kind of going to multiple places and seeing a lot of different cultures and being able to kind of like take different things that work and like figuring out you know like a kind of a more general like theme of like 
hey, like, you know, here's what to do, you know, maybe how we can like, like start to frame things and here's what we can do like if things aren't working. I think it's just kind of like, and I think still like, I, you know, listening to Des in the post game today from like, he's, you know, and like, you know, love the guy and like, you know, we're all rooting for him and stuff. But like, you know, I feel like he still kind of feels like there's an inevitability to like, you know, like, oh, things are going to turn around. You know, it's really rough right now, but like when we come out of this, it's going to be great. Like it's going to happen like automatically almost like, because like we're doing the right things, but like maybe we're not doing the right things, you know, like maybe, you know, there needs to be some like consideration like y'all have been saying for like, you know, Hey, whether it's like, you know, changes in staff or just like, you know, maybe like changes in terms of preparation or, you know, however, you know, things to consider over the off season, like, you know, maybe, you know, um, the, you know, formula that we have right now doesn't quite seem to be working, but like, because, you know, he doesn't really necessarily have, you know, other, you know, experience that he's been under, you know, I don't know if he's going to, you know, is he going to be able to kind of be able to pivot in that way? I don't know. Um, you know, I will say also in his defense, um, I think, you know, it's worth remembering, like, you know, we did lose, you know, all of our like best talent did leave after Napier left. And, and, you know, we had the same thing happen again, you know, this past off season again, you know, with like our you know, best ride receiver or whatever. And so it's like, you know, that does make it tough. You know, I'm not, you know, going to overlook that, I guess. Um, but I, you know, still, I, it doesn't seem like we're necessarily like, you know, trending, I don't feel like we're trending in any sort of like upper trajectory. It seems like we're just kind of like barely treading water at like 500, you know, um, at, at best, you know, is what we can hope for now. Right. Um, and so I don't know. I just, you know, um, I, like y'all said, it's just, I don't know that I, you know, necessarily feel a sense of like urgency to turn it around. I think it's just kind of like, you feel like there's a sense of like an expectation. Like it's just going to like, happen automatically kind of thing. But that's my point, uh, Trey, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's my point I was making before you you commented. We talk about how close we are and we're so close and we're almost there. It's like, what are you almost there to? I mean, you lost, we've lost four games this year alone that we were favored against with these teams. I mean, the Georgia State game, we didn't lose to Georgia State because Dante Fleming transferred to Tulane or wherever he went. We didn't lose because Trey, uh, uh, Trey Amos left. We lost because we were undisciplined and unprepared in the first half and basically had to play catch up in the second half. You know, we didn't lose to Arkansas State by 20 points because this guy went to Liberty or where we lost because we went in cocky, thought we had the game won before the kickoff even occurred. That's why we lost some of these games. So that's to me almost being there, quote unquote, almost being there. That's where my concern comes in because. A lot of these games we lost were against teams that I would think we were better than. I mean, Southern Miss beat us last week with one guy. One guy. That's not because we had players that transferred. It's because we just came unprepared and weren't disciplined and weren't coached properly. That's what I think. In year two, in year two, you can't. It's not. That's not an excuse in year two. And first of all, or second of all, we don't have a personnel issue. We've been talking about this for two years. We do not have a personnel issue. If you want to say we have an experience issue, I'm willing to listen to that conversation. But we're not. This is game 10. Or game 11. Or game, how many? Two seasons? 24. <laughs> 24. Something like that. Yeah. Plus a bowl game. So that, that's not the issue. Now, if you want to talk to me about that last year, we had many of those conversations, and, and we can talk about that. But that's not this year. 
And when, as far as you point about the formula, I, I 100% believe that there is a formula of success in college football. Nick Saban won in three different places, and he won big in three different places. There's a reason why. All right? He has a formula. Here's the thing. Different leagues require different tools on your roster. You can't compare Billy at Florida to Billy at UL or to Mike uh, at UL. Billy went to the hardest division and that side of the division with the national champion in it uh, in the in America, and he had to start from scratch, essentially. He has a bunch of freshmen and sophomores playing defense, and his offense, you can already see, has started to come around. Uh, right now, he's in a barn burner with Missouri in the second quarter, and it's 10-7 Missouri. I mean, the guy is competing with the best football teams, best, best football programs in America. Uh, that's not, you can't do the comparison there. The formula is, that is a real thing. Now, whether you can take it up, like Mike can be under his tutelage for a few years and all of a sudden he knows how to implement the formula perfectly, I don't know. Maybe some of those players we lost really did have that extra X factor. Maybe the people recruiting those players at the time had an extra eye for that extra little something in the players. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not just a talent issue. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we up 11 against 11, we're as good as anybody we play, and I'll continue to say, Minnesota was the I, Minnesota. We were as good as they were. We were a mismatch in regard to their offensive line was just a, a mismatch for our defensive line. Outside of that, player for player, we could play with anybody on our schedule, and we have massively underachieved. I'll agree with that. And and let, let's just talk about the fact that Georgia State right now is in a uh, fourteen to seven game with TSAB and driving, you know, they're, they're at the 45 yard line, hopefully about to score again. Um, that's not, it, it's not to say that Georgia state is more talented than TSAB. I mean, they pay their players a whole hell of a lot more in Baton Rouge, but there's a fight in them. There's they're, they're coached up. They do things to, to make them more competitive with teams that are perhaps more talented than we are. I haven't seen that this season. I haven't seen any motion to confuse the offense or the defense. I haven't seen any of that stuff. We saw a lot of that with, with Napier's teams. We saw a lot of standing up at the line right until the ball was hiked just to, just to kind of like throw the other side off. But you look at, at the fact that the coaches from two years ago that left, I mean, a lot of them went to Florida, but a lot of them have moved on to bigger jobs, right? I mean, you look at Baylor. Uh, their defensive coordinator for a while was one of our coaches. We've had a lot of coaches that have left to go to bigger programs. Tell me one coach that is going to leave off of this staff that's going to go to an SEC or, or P5 team right now. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, uh, breaking news, uh, Georgia State just tied the Tigers. Um, so, and I know, look, the... When, when most people listen tomorrow, that, that the Tigers may win by 50 points, but the fact of the matter is, is Georgia State's playing with a certain level of intensity that we're not. That's why they that beat we us. we don't have. That's why they beat us. I mean, they, they're not better than us. They're not better than us. We saw they a little us. bit of it tonight. We saw, I mean, they came out with a little bit more passion than they have the last three but where's weeks. Where's that but been, Nick? Where has, I don't that, know, if man. If we played with that passion today, I'm telling you, if we played with that passion the last 10 games leading into today, we wouldn't be sitting with a five and six record. I think if we play with that type of passion, we're sitting somewhere like eight and three. And I know I said, hey, the rah-rah stuff, but it's working. Look, the, <laughs> it's the working. wild thing is, is that this is probably the, the game that I would blame coaching the least. I, you know, 
I had some issues with some of the stuff we did, but overall, I thought we coached pretty well. I liked our scheme. I liked for the most. Now, third down play calling drives me nuts. Third and eight, we throw a one yard out. Third and twelve, we throw it. We throw a ball behind the line of scrimmage that drives me absolutely nuts. It's like they go in. It's like they go in saying, "Doesn't matter what the down and distance is. This is the play we're going to call." It's like they have a chart or something. Anyway, I didn't think coaching was all that horrible. I didn't have a bunch of things that that were glaringly terrible. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was funny. It's kind of ironic. Um, let's see. We got hey, Miss- hey, guys, so, what you got, T? So, so, so just to go back to the whole Des thing experience, there's one thing, there's three things I've learned uh, in coaching and yeah, you will from a school perspective and in the military. One, you don't take a grad assistant job at the same school you played at. That's what Coach Willis taught us. You're going to learn things that you didn't want to know and you're going to be too comfortable. Another thing, you don't get the PhD at the same place you got your undergrad. You got to, got to go to a different university, broaden your horizons. In the military, you don't rank up and accept a higher position at the same command you've been at for the past two or three years. You're in the same habits, you're with the same people, you're not going to learn anything. And they don't respect you. No, no one's going to respect you. You've been in the same place your entire career whether it's in the military, whether it's in coaching, whether it's in schooling, education, it's you've got to broaden your horizons. And the fact that Dev's horizons are not broadened, maybe that's maybe that's an excuse. Uh, but I think that's uh, that's one thing to point out. And also, and maybe Jimmy can attest to this, man. Uh, just the fact that they don't. And I, I, I hate to I'm making more excuses. The fact that these guys do not sleep in the dorms during summer camp is baffling to me. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. You're about to start a oh, rage and page. about to go on another 20 page, uh, debate thread on all that foolishness because then some of the posters are going to see like, Oh, you're making this up. Oh, trust the process. Oh no, you're crazy. And all that, that, that conversation was one of the most, as many wacky topics that show up on that website. And as, as a, as much as I love that website at times, that was one of the craziest threads on whether or not it's justifiable for players to sleep in the dorms or stay where they want to stay. And, and look, I, it's funny because you have people it talking. It builds character. But it's, it builds relationships. But that's the point, though. You're a former player, so you know that. I just thought it was hilarious that you had these people go back and forth for a good month and a half talking about whether or not it was justifiable for these players to stay in dorms or not. And I, I – it was, for me, I didn't even read it. I just kept looking at the number of pages. And I I mean, I'd just go to people like you, Terry, and just ask you since you experienced it. But I'm glad you brought up the first point, right? Broadening broadening your horizons. That's why when I, I see people say things like, well, the experience came to you. Josh, you've, you, you work in the real world. Have you ever heard that before? Experience coming to you? Dude, look, I, I considered going to college outside of Lafayette, I, obviously for many reasons I decided not to. The day that I moved out of here, for military purposes was one of the first time I had to actually leave. It changes your, it changes your life, changes your perspective on things. It changes how you rely on yourself. It changes how much you trust yourself. It, it, it forces you to, to have a hundred percent confidence in the decisions that you make. It, it just changes everything. When you have to leave home for real, you have no comforts of home. You have nobody to lean on. It, you, you, everything changes. It's hard to explain. Terry can probably say it uh, the same way. I mean, he had to leave school, uh, leave home for school and for the military. It, it, being away from your comfort zone just does something to you mentally. It makes you mature. It forces you to do things you would not otherwise do. Mr. Alphonse 
I see you've been trying to get in, sir. The floor is yours. Thanks for requesting. Hey, yeah, you know, I'm I, going back to the game today. I hear y'all talking about, like, you know, we had the pass interference call that really could have changed the game. I think the biggest thing that beat us today was open field tackling on the perimeter. There were so many times we had opportunities to get off the field when the first guy missed and they got a first down. And I think that was a difference in the game. Open open field tackling on the perimeter was a difference in the game today. What y'all think? I agree 100%. I think it's been a problem for the last five or six games. I mean, honestly, you can go back to the beginning of the year and nitpick, but I think it's been a real problem last five or six games. Jerry? Uh, honestly, the the strength of the Billy Napier defense, whether it was Patrick, Tony, or Ron Roberts coaching, and the biggest difference of transition in their defense from when he took over uh, when, when, when Mark Hudspeth left was, to me, was open field tackling. That's what made Billy Napier defense is dangerous. Um, I noticed more of that the first three or four games this year where open field tackling was great. The last three or four games, they've been non-existent, and it's gone back to what we saw uh, before HUD and his staff were let go. Because if you notice, if you remember the 2017 season, we gave up a lot of points due to those type of mistakes. And that's very concerning because usually when, when you make open field tackles and you get those fundamentals down, your defensive uh, value tends to go up. Well, we've regressed in the last couple of weeks because of that. So um, no, it's a good, it's a good observation because no, I, I've noticed it too. And, and that's, that's concerning. That's concerning right now. Right, right. And uh, just for what Terry just said, I agree with him 100%. Dez came in to keep things going like they're going. Billy, Billy set the foundation, laid out how it's done. Everything I've heard, I've talked to players, everything I've heard was from day one, Dez changed the whole offseason program, which Billy learned from Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. I'm not sure why he thinks he's more in, I guess knowledgeable about this offseason stuff than Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, and Napier. But to me, I'd have just, whatever their script was, I'd have done it and I would have stuck with it. I don't understand why we're not just sticking with the script to be successful like we were in the past. If you're a young coach. I agree. And look, I'll put my hand up and say I'll take the L on the uh, sleeping in the dorms for, for camp. From what I understood, it was a reward, well, look, an incentive to, to to the seniors. And maybe I misunderstood that, yeah. but I, I'll be the first to say that I defended Des on that, and if I had to do it all over again, I would not defend him because obviously something, foundationally, something is not there. And, you know. You know, you know Josh, um, it's not just it's not just sleeping in the dorms, but going back to the dorms, I mean, ever since the athletic dorm was abolished, you know, I talked to a guy that I call on regularly who lived in the conference center under Stokely in every single day of their lives, they had a, they had a curfew, you know, they never could get out past that curfew. Now kids are living all over, all across town in apartments and at rent houses. And so if you're not in that dorm and not where you can watch you during camp of all things, just camp. I mean, those kids can be out at the bars at night. They can have their little girlfriends coming over at night. They can have people call them all night. I mean, you just got too many distractions. Camp, you need to be 100% focused on football. And like Terry said, that's the place to be. If you're in the dorms, you're, you're, you're being monitored around the clock. I mean, that's the place to be, in my opinion. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get why they do that. And, and, and listen to this, man. Like, and Jimmy, Jimmy is here. He can test this. There's something about being miserable in camp, sore, laying down in the locker room, 
but watch it with Shark Week on because it's August, right? You got Shark Week on on the TV, and you wait and you're dreading the next practice and you know uh, tape period. You know what I'm saying? And then you got to go back to the dorms and sleep there, and you got to wake up together at six in the morning and take the bus back to the complex. There's just something about that schedule that builds that makes people better. Hey, Terry, does that build like a real strong team bond, I imagine, too, right? Oh, it did. Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't, I don't understand that. Why would you take a program, a process that Napier got from Saban, from Dabo Sweeney, and all his other mentors and change it? I mean, you're a freshman coach. Why would you change it? Well, let me ask you, let me ask you that. Why do you think he changed it? Do you think it's because... Kind of like what we talked about earlier. He's a player's coach. He didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He wanted exactly. to be friendly. I think I, I think that's true. I think you're right, Josh. I think that he was – I think that was Josh who said that. I think that he was the player's friend. Obviously, you saw when he announced him how happy they were. He loves us. He was the player's friend as an assistant coach. And I don't think he's transitioned from assistant to head. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference in being an assistant and being the head. you got to transition to you're no longer their friend. You can't be their friend if you're the head coach. You just, it won't work. I agree with that. If that's the case, it's going to take a full recruiting cycle to get rid of that, if it ever will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, guys, um, thanks for having me. All right, Mr. Yeah, Boudreaux, I appreciate your thoughts. Uh-huh. All right, Jimmy, let me get you in here. Got some good calls tonight. Yeah, if that's, if that's the case, we're, we're in trouble because that is a, that's, that's beyond football. You can't overcome that. You got you you to have the respect that. of your players. Can't overcome that. Go, go ahead, Jimmy. Wait, 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 wait. So I, I'm at work and I couldn't really hear. What what's going on with this dorm thing? Like, explain that to me. So, so Jimmy, I was just talking about how during like camp, you know, that was like when we had camp, we had to stay in the dorms for like the first two weeks of camp, and it right. built like you know our relationship with each other. And yeah, it sucked, but that's where we made our foundation as a team going into the season. So, did they not do that this off season or something? No, they didn't do it the past two off seasons. Are you serious? Right, so wait, right Jimmy. So they quit that when Dez started. Are you serious? Absolutely. So that's we are. Man, I thought it was just speculation. So they really haven't been staying in the domes during the, like during training camp or nothing like that. Like, what do you think they do that nope. for? Like, there's a reason why you do that. I don't know. To eliminate, to eliminate distractions and to focus on your responsibilities. That's there's a reason why you do that. So, what was the point? Never really heard know, anything. He just gave him to the rest of the team. That's what we're trying to figure out. Like, it, did he stop doing hey, it because it was friendly? It, he was friendly with the players and he wanted to stay on their good side, or how? Now you got to also remember, last year he was trying, he was begging people not to transfer. So that also could have hey. played into it. Well, that was the year before. But, hey, Josh, uh, this is why they did it, according to players I've talked to, is because they are mature now and they know how to handle camp and know what to do. Nope. But you got nope. freshmen and sophomores coming in every year that hadn't been there yet. They don't know that yet. You know, you got kids that don't know that what you're supposed to do unless they've been there in that dorm before. I, I want to I comment on that real quick. I'm glad you brought that up because, actually, we got – between Terry and Jimmy, okay, I'm glad I'm glad this was brought up because if you remember, bo- both of you, right, you played on the 2014 team. Do you remember when 
uh, the offseason conditioning changed. Uh, uh, I think, I think, Jimmy, I don't know if you were a senior that year, but didn't some of you approach HUD about changing the offseason conditioning uh, regimen going into the 2014 season? Uh, I don't remember. Is, is that because, like, didn't witness a couple days or something like that? And it was. I, I can't remember, Jimmy. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, I like, it's very vague, but if I remember, I think Witt missed a week, maybe, while we were in camp. And the assistant strength coach, Mano, I think his name was, he was very, very lenient during that week because we were in camp, and he was understanding of that, and we didn't work out. As, you know, he was very lenient as far as, like, what we were doing to our bodies and stuff like that. So when Wick came back and went to level 10, we were like, hold on now. Like, everything was smooth, and you just come over here. And, and But at the time, what we didn't realize was he – like, the reason why we were so very well conditioned is because of, like, the things that Wick was doing to us. But we didn't realize it until, like, you know, when we went in the New Orleans Bowl, and we are like, oh, I get it now. Or, like, moments like this. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that kind of sort of did happen. You know? So that's why I brought it up because if you notice, and, and you could definitely tell, and, and I, I talked to a few former players that played around that time. I I remember that early start to the season. We started one and three, remember? And um, I, I was told that some of that, some of those changes in the way you trained or the way y'all were forced to train had a little bit of an effect city that you brought on the field. Uh, and then once we started winning again, that started to shift back into the old ways of doing. Yeah, man. I look. I, I tell. I mean, Terry can attest to this. Like a lot of our success, success that we had, we owe it to Whit, man. I'm gonna be honest with you, because and now Troy has that same success. <laughs> yeah, like like Whit, Whit definitely. You know, and we talk about the dance thing with the camp. Like Whit was not trying to be our friend. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't care. All the complaints that we had, wasn't trying to hear it. You know, he definitely had us prepared week to week. And just the, the type of off-season training we did, man, it just gave us the confidence that, like, if the game is close, we're going to be so physically dominant than the other team because of the stuff that he put us through, you know? So, I mean... I don't know, man, but I don't want to get on here and talk about what we used to do because apparently that's that's over with, and they don't even stay at the domes for camp anymore. So I don't even know what to say, man. To be honest, but I that's mean, the but that's but it's yeah, it blows, it blows my mind, man. I don't understand why it blows my freaking mind. But what, it's the but, but, but isn't that the point? But isn't that the point though, Jimmy? Right? So like when you when you kind of veer away from what's been working, right? because you think that maybe the other way is easier or the other way may work just as well, even though you don't know and it somehow backfires. That's kind of why I asked that question because it's kind of the same principle, right? You know, before players were staying in dorms together and they went through that, that hardcore summer camp and then now they're not doing it and look at what's, look at what it's produced. Yeah, man, to be honest with you, I, I don't understand the thought process behind that. Like, I, I I really don't, and I didn't want to come on here and just be, you know, be another Terry. I didn't want to do that, you know what I mean? But 
I mean, you, you have to say that that's a direct correlation to what's going on on the field. Like, it's cool to be a player's coach, but at some point you have to drive home accountability and you have to drive home some sort of like, you know, I'm the coach. I understand we want to be cool, but we have to get things done. You know, you have to instill that. So the whole notion behind we're mature now so we don't have to stay in the domes, I call BS on that because I'm pretty sure my senior year we had way more seniors than what they have on on the team now. And HUD wasn't having no – look, if somebody snuck out and tried to stay anywhere else, they were in trouble the next day. Like, HUD was not playing that. So I just don't – I just don't understand. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of at a loss for words. And, and, and Jimmy, man, and not only were they in trouble the next day, he would call them out in the middle of practice and tell Dude, them what they did. Terry, do you remember? Because didn't he take our car keys too? If yeah, I, I think he did. I think he did. I, I remember somebody got caught. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yep. Like yep. Somebody got caught driving or something like yep. that. I remember. And he went off on them. So it kind of puts in your mind, like, man, we're here to focus on winning. Like, you don't have nowhere else to go. We feeding you. You have somewhere to stay. Focus on football, and that's it. You think I'm doing that if I'm going home every night? Like, if I'm going to my, my – you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm inviting my girlfriend over. I'm going out. You know. Back, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't have the opportunity to do that. I don't have a car. To, like, you got my keys. Because not only it put pressure on, like, the, the, the players, it put pressure on the assistant coaches. Because the assistant coaches are the ones who are supposed to be, like, taking the keys. Because I remember giving my keys to either, either Coach Rod or Coach Piegler, who was the GA at the time. You know, yeah. so it puts pressure on the assistant coaches to also hold you accountable. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, then that's just the fear or the discipline that HUD and WIT put in us. I, I ain't going to lie, man. Them camps used to be hard. My first camp, I wanted to quit, bro. I was like, man, I don't know what I got myself into, bro. This ain't mm-hmm. – I was like, man, I, I need to get out of here. Because it's tough. Because it hurts to be a champion, Jimmy. It's not supposed to be easy. Yeah, it was It's not supposed to be easy, man. And like, and I don't know what you know. What, what's the what's the strength coach name? Coach Neighbors. Yeah, Neighbors. Name. Yeah, Neighbors. I I, I I imagine he's doing the best of what he has. But man, he's got a state of the art facility, man. He's got great assets in front of him to build champion championship level, you know, a championship team. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know what he's doing with it. Well, isn't you know Neighbors... I, mean? I guess that's what frustrating. Isn't Connor Young? He's like 28, isn't he? 29 or something like that? I wouldn't know. What's Witt? Witt was like 45. Oh, Witt was like, uh, yeah, late 30s. Just to say, 40s. just to say there's a big gap between the two. You can still see how a 27, 28-year-old coach would be chummy with 21, 22-year-old players. That's what your seniors are. Exactly. And then, plus, and then, plus, and then they no got a country club situation over there where, look, I know I want to have nice facilities. I know the players want to have nice facilities. But there ain't no grit in this country club environment. But look, I'm going to be I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Hey, look, I'm, I promise you I'm not making this up. But this is how I know Witt was a good coach and still is a good coach. And Terry, you can attest to this. There are things that, like, I go through in life sometimes that, like, I think back, like, man, what prepared me for this? Like, it's something that, <laughs> yeah. 
or it's something that he did that made me be like, okay, like I remember we went through this and we did this or he talked about this or he made us do this. So it was something, it, it's been a couple of times in life that it was like, man, I can't lose because, and, and you know, Whit had that whole military mindset and that was cool, mm-hmm. but it was just like, like I said, I tell people all the time, yeah, HUD got people in the seats and 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 and, and all that. But if you want to really talk about our success, I got to give that to Whit, man. I really do. I that, really, really do. That 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 man strapped. I I remember I was going through off the Canada School in the Navy, and I was doing something tough, like crawling through the dirt, like bear crawling. That man, Coach Whit, chained a hundred pound heavy bag on my back and told me to crawl a hundred yards. On the on the flaming hot summer turf at Cajun Field, I to this day I amaze myself that I even did that. And I was like, oh man, I, I did that. I can definitely go through like boot camp and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's life lessons. And and I don't know if these guys are going through that with this with this with this strength staff, with this this coaching staff. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it has to come to that. I'm not saying you have to have a you know a former. Green Beret as your strength coach, but it definitely does help. It's helping Troy. Yeah. It sounds like we need to get wit on the show. That would be a hell of an interview. <laughs> hey, Jimmy. Hey, did y'all talk about did y'all talk about a certain oh no, I don't know if I should bring that up. Never mind. Terry, I think you know what I'm about to say about, right. you know, a certain coach on the on, on our coaching staff that's talking right. about other schools and stuff. Did y'all talk about that? Uh, no, no, no. We didn't talk about that. No. <laughs> Maybe that's for next time. I'm not going to bring that up. I'll, I'll let you do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll no, leave I'm that. not going to bring it up right now. We'll leave that as a cliffhanger, and we still got one more game, so we can do that in the post game for ULM. But uh, look, Jimmy, we're pushing two hours, actually right over two hours, so I'll give you last word, and then we'll get out of here. Nah, man. Uh, I appreciate y'all having me. I'm at, at work, so I couldn't. You know, I got to kind of get off and get on. But uh, – I'm proud of the way we fought, man. But I know we talk about the pass interference, but man, we still had them third and nine after that. We got to execute. I mean, that's that's just the truth. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess we'll just. I mean, they said that in the post game, Dad said, you know, we're close. So I guess we just have to just, you know, see where it takes us next year. What changes he makes and. I don't know. I don't even know what to say, man. I'm so depressed about this because if Georgia State wins this game today, I think I'm just done with college football for the rest of the year. If Georgia State honest. wins tonight, it's going to be a long night because I'm staying up late and being a pest online. I already know, but I, it's just like, but it's going to hurt me more because it's like we had that game won. So just imagine the shit that I would talk if we would have won that game and Georgia State wins. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, man. But. You know, guys, as always, I appreciate it. It's just tough being a Cajun fan right now, but that's cool. You know, we're going to stay with our team, and we're going to support them to the end. So, I mean, I ain't going nowhere, even though I'm just kind of depressed about it. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, I just hope that we get it together. So, that's that's that's, that's how I end it. You know, and we'll talk about coaches tweeting about other colleges in state next week. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, we'll save that for next uh, yeah, week. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's that's terrible. Like, why would why why would you even do that? No, but you, you should, know what? Should never. That next week. It should be on your contract. You but, can't do that. But but what you think that says to you? Like, uh, we'll talk about it next week. I can't get into. It. I can't. I can't. No, go ahead. Yeah, we'll go another thirty we're minutes, it, and we'll talk about it next week. <laughs>
we'll all right. Talk about it next week. All right, Jimmy. Appreciate you calling in, bud. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that was fun. Nick, parting shots from this experience that was a loss to Troy. <sighs> um, that's about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I said it last week. Somebody else said it today. You you make your own luck. And um, I was proud, like I said earlier, I was proud by the, the fact that we came out to fight. But even if we would have won, it's almost like too little, too late. Like we, where was this all season? Where was the fight all season? We saw it sometimes. We didn't see it others. So um, I don't know, par for the course. Tonight was was pretty much what we've seen all season. And I don't I don't have an answer at this point. I just hope that, uh, you know, I'd say I hope we win next week. Of course, I hope we win next week. I, I never want to lose to ULM, but I don't know if I really want, want to be rewarded with a bowl game at this point. To me, that's just, that's, you know, putting icing on a, a crap platter. Like, that's that's no good to me. So, I don't know. I hope we win next week, see, what there, see where it takes us from there. But there's got to be some substantial changes somewhere in this program. To, to where we're we're back up to the upward trend and not just plateauing at six wins a year. That that's my take on it. Mr. Gaber. I applaud the effort today. I applaud the fact that this team, in spite of having troubles the last few weeks, did not quit. At the same time, it does not change the fact that this is the second year in a row where we're sitting with a five and six record and having to hope for a win in our last game to be bowl eligible. That is the bigger issue that I'm looking at. And that's the bigger issue. I think our fan base is concerned about. I know we've heard we're almost there. We're getting there. We're getting there. But what is there? What exactly is getting there? What is, what does that mean? We're, we're almost there because two years ago we were there. And the point of continuing this, culture continuing the the pattern if you're continuing something that means you're there and i know we had a lot of turnover i know the coaches turnover we had players leave transfer out go to the portal but we have lost four out of our six games this year against teams that we were favored against we have still made a bunch of fundamental mistakes we've still have we we've still messed up in many ways with basic, basic, just basic stuff on the field that I thought we could have fixed by now. And so because of that, there's going to have to be a really, really, really deep dive into what it's going to take to make sure this doesn't happen going into next season. Um, to say that I'm excited about this game coming up next week, I'm not saying I've reached the level of apathy, but it's almost anticlimactic of what to expect against ULM because of the fact that they have given us games, you know, that have been very close. I would hope for a win in a bowl game. And I, I do want to win. I do want to make it to a bowl game because I do want to finish with a winning season. Uh, last year, having a losing season and going into the off season for eight or nine months with a six and seven record was sour. It left a sour taste in my mouth. The best what the, the best thing we can do now is salvage this season some kind of way, some inkling is to finish with with a record over five hundred. 
It's it, and it's sad to say that because I thought we were on paper we're a better team than that. But I hope the team continues to bring that same intensity they brought today because I think if they do that it'll get us, it'll get us over the hump against ULM next week. And I hope that we can do enough to get to a bowl game so we can finish above 500. But that doesn't change the fact that the expectations and expectations and the standards here are a lot higher than what we're talking about right now. So um, I, I, I'm very happy that we have callers call in. I'm very happy we had a lot of participation tonight because there's still people out there who care, no matter the frustration, no matter their input, no matter what they say. And I know you know, it's almost like a tug of war between the administration. And sometimes they'll say things about the fans about, well, the fans think this, the fans think that, but you know what? We're still here. We could have left and we're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. So, um, yeah, that's it. I think that we've played two really weak schedules, two years in a row, and we're looking at another six and six, six and seven schedule. And I don't think there's any excuse for that. I mean, last year I was willing to have the conversation that he got put into a bad position. I'm not willing to have that conversation this year. All I know is he better freaking win Saturday. Because to me, it's not salvaging the season to go 6-6 six, six and six and barely beat ULM. We better do it because it's the floor, and we better go win a bowl game because I don't want to go backwards. Finishing 6-7 and seven again this year is going backwards in my view. Anyway, would like to remind everybody to please rate, review, and subscribe to the Rage and Review podcast. Also, patronize the sponsors. Absolutely Embroidery. Hit them up at absolutely and more, excuse me, absolutely embroidery and more.com. Also, Dr. Brett Venable at recoverychiromed.com. Hit him up if you have any paints, joint issues, if you've been to a, through an accident or some, some sort and you need some relief, hit up Dr. Brett Venable. Boys, it's been fun. It's been lively. I'm glad everybody participated. Uh, it was needed for me. I needed the venting. Um, thanks for having me on your show. It was a lot of fun. I'm going to try a new sign-off tonight. You ready for it? Nick is going to get a kick out of this. Envoie soin ton chat comme le chat à nous autres.